Culture Leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop Culture Leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop Culture Leftovers typically has a long runtime as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle Pop Culture Leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 365. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall brat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, erase it, left and break the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, I'm a leftover. No Jake this week, but I do have two guests joining me on this episode. Number one, Paul Hart from Movies from the Heart, and the Animated Batcast Podcast. Welcome, Paul. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me on, dude. I, I, I'm excited to have a fun time with this. Fucking thrilled to have you on this episode, Paul. Love having you on, Paul. Oh, it's always a blast. And we're joined by first-time guest on Patreon, now on a regular episode, Mr. Billy Blinks from the Scene Invaders Podcast. Welcome, Billy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited as well. This is uh been looking forward to this, so this is really cool. Again, just appreciate you having me on. Billy Blink sounds it sounds like Paul doesn't it sound like an old old timey gangster name? Like, you know, Tommy the Nose and <laughs> Billy the Nose. Tommy the Nose I got what, 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 what Tony One Ball? Can you imagine if that was a if that if that if that was your gangster name, Tony One Ball? Oh, the crew had no like. That either makes you like a super badass or a pussy, right? Well, it just um, makes it makes it so that everybody knows that you only have one ball. You're the Lance Armstrong of that group. You're the, la- um, <laughs> you're the Lance Armstrong. <laughs> I, I gotta admit, I got, I got real fucking nervous at first when it came up on Skype. I'm like, dude, like, am I about to record with the fucking guy who's like PS90 videos I've thrown in the trash? Like is Billy Blanks about to fucking rip me a new asshole? Oh, the fi- oh Billy Blanks, the yeah, yeah. The P- I just is saw the him P- in a Geico commercial. The, it, was that P? That wasn't the P ninety X guy. That was he was the other guy, wasn't he? Yeah, like you saw me at C two E two. You know I don't follow these. Yeah, but, but he did work out. Didn't he do like the Tybo workout? Yeah, he did do Tybo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Billy Blanks. Hey, tell us a little bit about Scene Invaders podcast, man. So the Seed Invaders podcast, we are very much akin to a lot of similar things that you guys do on Pop Culture Leftovers. We cover any kind of current events, movies, television shows, video games, comics, books. 
Uh, we've also recently started a YouTube page where we're kind of branching out with some bonus content, some post-episode reactions to some shows. Right now we're currently doing The Servant. And uh, there's also a couple of other YouTube shows. We're doing one called The Reality Guys where we're having three guys – normal guys reaction to reality tv and uh we're all fans but not experts and we're most of us are watching the bachelor basically for the first time and doing our weekly episode reactions so you can check us out on youtube or apple Podcasts. we're working to get that rotten tomatoes uh approved publication so we're looking for those five star apple podcast reviews we're getting really close but if you don't have that spotify anywhere else and um yeah, it's been going really great. We appreciate everyone who's been listening, and um, hopefully maybe some people will check us out. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, stick around for the end of the show. We're going to be talking about WandaVision. But, yeah, Paul, he's watching. Hey, Paul, have you started the second season of Servant? I have not started it yet. I am a fucking – I did. I'm a lazy I, fuck. I, yeah, I can't believe it. We talked about that so much. Um and it's off to a bang, right, Billy? Like it's 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 really picking up, man. It was it was a fun time watching those two new episodes. Episode two definitely got us back in servant mode. Episode one was doing a little housekeeping, but episode two definitely, I think we're off to the races. Holy shit! Oh, did, yeah. did, did it pick up right where the last season ended? Like immediately, day, yeah, yeah. No, like immediately. Moment. Later. As soon as they found the doll in the crib that it wasn't a real baby anymore. That's where it cut away for like where they left the people inside the house, and that's immediately where the season picks up. Oh man, I can't wait to get back on servant. I, I'm behind. I am behind on on on, on the on the servant, and I I haven't been watching uh, the last two or three episodes of Your Honor, the Brian Cranston series on Showtime, another show that I really enjoy. So I need to. Yeah, get- but at least at least you had time to watch Barry season two. I fuck you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I love season. Why do I keep forgetting about Barry? Everyone forgets about Barry, but the good news about Barry is Bill Hader just came out and said because of COVID nineteen, they actually sat down and wrote all of season four. So ah. that's like the big news is that they're probably gonna when they get to record or you know like going to production for season three, they're just gonna say fuck it, let's get season four going right now. That'd be great. That would be great. Oh man, have they been greenlit for season four? Or are they just going for it? I think they're just going for it. HBO would be dumb not to give it yeah. to them. They're not Netflix. Yeah. Oh god, fucking Netflix. Fucking Jesus. I think I, I don't know, man. It still pisses me off. I was thinking about it this past week. How much I love the OA, and how much that season two was just a complete departure from season one, and how mm. wild it was, and how it really opened up that world. And then by the end of the second season of the OA. I was so hyped for season three and it's like, I want to see it come back in one form or another. I'm, I really would love to just see, you know, um, Zal Batman Gleige and Britt Marling just fucking write it out as a graphic novel or something. I just want to know what happens in this story. And then glow gets canceled and it's like, what the fuck are you doing over there? Netflix. Yeah. What the hell man? Assholes. Mm. Fucking a-holes, man. All right, guys. Yeah, no Jake this week. Hopefully Jake will be back next week. Miss having him on these episodes. Uh, so yeah, um, hopefully he'll be back next week. Let's, uh, let's jump into, uh, good pop, bad pop this week. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. You notice I didn't have any cute shit to talk about this week? Little bullshit, little banter, cute shit. 
<laughs> I was going to try to bring some up, but I figured I wasn't going to. You should. You should. I wouldn't stop you. Well, I, I, I just feel like I needed to thank you for uh, coming in and uh, helping spread the love of Michael Jordan to the future of uh, our youth, my friend. That yeah. I was, uh, Paul invited me. Paul is a, is a school teacher and, and, and has been teaching, uh, his class remotely. And Paul invited me to read to his class, uh, a, a book. And, uh, and at the last moment, you kind of changed the books and it was perfect. You changed it to a Michael Jordan book, a book about his childhood and wanting to join the Olympic team and, Man, I really, I really had a blast. I felt like at the end of that day, I was just like, man, I had a lot of fun doing that. That was, that was awesome. So I want to thank you so much for that experience, Paul. No, I thank you, man. And, and they loved it. I mean, I'm sure, I think you got the record of I love yous from the kids at the end of the day. So it was fucking awesome. Yeah, I was going to have you read a Weird Al book, but I'm like, no, dude, like it's got to be fucking Michael Jordan. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. That's awesome. I, being able to spread, that to those kids was just so cool. Something that I that I hold so near and dear to my heart that I love so much. So it was very cool. Yeah, uh, and there's some cool dorky kids. Like she know like the one new Spider Gwen off the top of her yeah. head. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Your class was. I was very impressed with all the kids and their knowledge about. You know, Paul was like, you know, um, before the class started, you were popping up with pictures, and I remember like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles doing like their little Zen pose, and you're talking about like that's how you need to sit still and be quiet. And I was just like, this is awesome. This is awesome. Well, I mean, like we can sit there and we can like spit rules at them, right? And they ain't gonna give a fuck. But if you say like, hey, you gotta stay on mute, like Batman, then they're fucking doing it. Yeah, like, Batman yeah. just gets the job done. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It is awesome. Um. We are going to be rating things throughout this. Did I fucking, did I even play the bumper? I have no idea. No, yeah. you didn't. Did he? Wait, which one? <laughs> the good pop, good bad pop, pop bad one. Pop? I thought he did. Oh, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, in, uh, in good pop, bad pop, we sometimes rate things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Yeah, even if I didn't fucking play it. It's not like I play it every fucking week. <laughs> you live with that one week. Is it is it too early for me to ask one of your classic questions? Is this the worst episode it's ever? It's pretty terrible, isn't it? <laughs> oh, oh man! I'll tell you that. Oh man! Let's talk about let's talk about Derek Delgadio's in and of itself. This dropped on Hulu on Friday. Storyteller and conceptual magician Derek Delgadio attempts to understand the illusory illusory nature of identity. And the answer, uh, the deceptively simple question, who am I? It's directed by Frank Oz, of all people. And it's written by Derek Delgadio. And um, I'm just going to start off and say that I really did not know what to expect with this. But I did not expect what we got and how incredibly impactful and powerful this was. And I Tupperware this so much. I do want to talk about it a little bit, but I, this was absolutely 
incredible. Paul, what did you think about Derek Delgadio's in and of itself on Hulu? Like, I feel like this is so hard to rate because this is literally like nothing I've ever seen in my life. And you know, like how in the past you have talked about how you um, really want to experience Hamilton before you watched on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. After watching this, I was so jealous yeah. of the people in those crowds. I'm like, dude, I wish I would have been able to experience this. And you know what? I think Herb from WandaVision cutting through that golden brick, I think he was in attendance at one of these fucking things with that gold-plated uh brick just showing up out of nowhere but this is a tupperware this was a like i i was trying to explain this to a friend i'm like he's like a magician inspirational speaker like card player guy that just fucking just brings it to this audience and i was just so envious of everyone in the audience um you know, not to give major spoilers away, but like, all right. Uh, so, like, were were the people in the audience were they given an option? Like, were all these cards set out and they picked the one that best described them, or did they just like write down what they saw themselves as? Let's because put a let's let's put a pin in that real quick. I want to answer that okay. question, but let's let's okay. bring Billy into this one. I want to get right, like his you. thoughts on this real quick, and then I then we're gonna tackle that. Um, all right, cool. cool. What do you think, Billy? I'm going to just echo the sentiments. I didn't really know. Um, Danny, actually, the co-host with me on Scene Invaders, actually got a pre-screening of this a few months ago, and he didn't spoil it at all, but he said, guys, this is going to affect you, and I don't want to like put anything past that. And um, he was completely right. It's a Tupperware. It's 100%. This, this is one of the best things I've seen in a while. It was so unique. I agree. I, I wish I could have been in the crowd as well, but um, I, I can't wait to unpack this, but it's a Tupperware, guys. Yeah, I mean, it says it right here in the uh, synopsis. Like, he's trying to answer the deceptively simple question, who am I? And we all ask ourselves that. Who are we? So at the beginning of this, we see the people that are like piling into the theater that are getting ready to watch this, you know, live one man show, uh, which is made up of, you know, like Paul said, magic and, and, um, inspirational speaking and, and storytelling and card tricks. And it's all these things, but it's basically all these things kind of like trying to answer the question of who am I? And everybody is going to get a completely different experience out of this. Um, when, I don't think anybody that walked in there walked out the same. They, it was no shot. You on this wall, they, it's got like all these different things. Like I am a, I am a this, I am a that, I am, you know, like all these, I am a dreamer. I am a, you know, I am a brother. I am a, um, you know, they even the silly ones like I am a ninja. I am, I am, I am, I am a reflection. I am all these, all these different things. So you try to pick the one that was best suited for you. And, uh, I mean, he may pull your card throughout the performance. He starts to tell this story about how, um, of the, the Rolatista and oh. this, this, this man who would go to these, uh, these very private kind, it was kind of like, a uh, it was a, uh, Russian roulette game where people would bet on people and the, and the people that are there are seriously like down on their luck. They need money and, 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 and so they put one bullet in, in, in a gun 
and you had like a, a one in, uh, you know, you had a, a big chance of winning, but like if you lose, you, you, you kill yourself. And he tells the story of the Rolatista and how the Rolatista shows up to this game and wins. But then is the only player that ever come back the next day and the next day and the next day. And this, it's an, it's an incredible story. And basically it's a story that's told to him by a man when he was in a bar and this man tells him that he is the Rolatista and he gets into, oh God, he gets, then he gets into like this book that they have. I'm not doing this justice. You just really need to watch it. They really, they get into this book. They talk about how, you know, people would navigate in the ocean in the boats and things like that. And they would keep this book, this journal of like where they are, what the night sky looked like, what, and sometimes the night sky, they couldn't tell where they were. So they would make stuff up in this book. And he has this same book in the show where he has the people that are there, one person is going to take the book home with them and write about what they saw in the show and then imagine what happens at the end of the show and write in a fake imaginary end of the show because that person that took the book home didn't get to see the final performance in the act. And they're invited to come back to the next show and then read their story and then see the end of the show and it just keeps going on and on and on and i oh my god his card handling the way he handles playing Ooh. cards is just and his and the way he's a, ca- a card counter and the way he can memorize what cards are in the deck and where they are in the deck he tells us the story about the dog and the wolf and how i was just like Wow. I was wowed this entire time. But like one of the biggest things for me at the end of it was like the question of like we come into contact with so many people and we just see them as one thing. And we you get to see somebody go up on stage and you get to see another side of them. And everybody's got this. Everybody has this. And I think sometimes we don't look at people like we go to, you go to Starbucks and you get your coffee. You go, you go here, you go there. We just look at them as people that are serving us in the public or that person that's trying to rip us off at the car dealership or this person that's that everybody is someone to somebody. And I, I fucking just. And they had their celebrities in the crowd. Um, Bill Gates was there. Tim Gunn was there. I, I can't say enough about it. Frank Oz just did a great job directing this and Derek Delgadio. I had never even heard of this guy before. I am a fan. And this is a, Dude. this is a big get for Hulu. And this is something that I think everyone out of all the shit that we're going to be talking about on this episode, this is the one thing everyone listening needs to watch because I've not done it justice and it will only do itself justice when you fucking pop on Hulu and watch Derek Delgadio's in and of itself. Go ahead, Paul. Which is so funny because when you sent me the list, I put this at the bottom, like, oh man, this seems like something I could probably just skip. I want to watch at like all the actual scripted shows and stuff. And then when you're like, no, like, uh, make sure you watch this. And I'm so glad I did. Be- well, and first off, like, just his storytelling technique with like those like windows he has up in the wall and how like he transitions to them. 
it's just like, wow, like, you know, in a world where everything, like everyone's trying to be different, you feel like you can't really make yourself any more original than everything that's come before us. He finds a way to do that with just his storytelling technique in in and of itself. And the part that got me was like the reading of the blank letters. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? This is fucking, this is insane. And, you know, like some people would be like, oh, you know, like they could totally be plants. But like, I think, I think they like recorded this over like what, like maybe seven, seven performances at least because at least. I, I think they did yeah. like seven shows of this because you get like so many different perspectives of people in the audience either taking the book home or coming up and reading the letter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they said at the beginning, I think like he'd done this show 522 times. Jesus. And I was, oh my God. Yeah. To be there in the crowd and to be a part of this had to have been just absolutely amazing. And you need to watch a little bit after the credits. Oh, 100%. Fun viewer footage Mm -hmm. that, uh, that, that gets shown. Yeah. Billy, any final thoughts on Derek Delgadio's in and of itself? I agree. There's nothing that we can say here without completely spoiling a lot of the big surprises. Uh, if you kind of take any of the recommendations here seriously, please, please, please watch this. Watch this with a loved one if you're fortunate enough to have one with you. It, um, you definitely don't come out the same. You get the feels. There are some stuff, especially towards the end, guys, you know, when he is, uh, pulling the audience members and telling the roles. And that's as far as I really want to say, but that is what I put in my notes here. That's where the, the waterworks started for me because it really, even more so than like the letter stuff, which I thought was cool. It really impacted these people, not more so than that. It was a, a magic or a parlor trick. It was that like this guy was seeing them for who they are. And these mm-hmm. were the people that had embraced that process and had picked a card that was like, who they are and, yeah. and just the impact it had on the people there, even watching it on Hulu on demand, it had an impact on me. So I, I, like I said, please guys definitely watch it. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. I have to, I watched this and I immediately had to leave and go get my hair cut and my sister cuts my hair. But anyway, I was like, <laughs> it's the first thing I was telling her about. I was like, you've got to watch this. She keeps a list of things that I tell her that she needs to watch. And so she added this one to the list. But yeah, yeah, uh, Derek Delgadio's in and of itself on Hulu, an absolute Tupperware and Tupperware party. And who is playing the banjo? Not I. Someone is strumming an instrument. Oh, sorry. That was me placing something down on the desk. Oh, wow. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I put it on the floor. The metal desk. Possibly a violin. You oh, that's a the... good transition. <laughs> you break the fourth wall. It's a bottle of wine. Okay, uh, sorry. Did you want to? Did you want to? Oh no, it's fine. I don't give a fuck. My I had my cat. My cat jumps up on the table and rubs his head on the mic and all this shit. I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, tra- uh, no, we'll talk about that movie a little bit later, Paul. <laughs> uh, Pixar popcorn. Did anybody watch any Pixar popcorn on Disney Plus? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I watched all of them. Yeah. Next, grab a quick snack with Pixar popcorn, a collection of mini shorts starring some of your favorite Pixar characters in all new bite-sized stories. Eleven new stories. 
And uh, I watched maybe five or six of these. Uh, it's just all the characters that you know from Pixar. Uh, you know, they had a Buzz Lightyear one, Cars, Dory, Soul, I guess that bunny and duck from the uh, Toy Story movie. The last one, I just kind of got bored with this, and I was like, okay, I get it. These are one and a half to two minutes of uh, shit that just didn't make it into the movies or just cute little shit that Pixar was making. And, uh, I, fuck it. I tossed it. I just, I didn't give a fuck. I was just, I thought, <laughs> I, I quit after five or six. I love the Pixar movies. Typically. I love the Pixar movies. I'm a big fan of the Pixar movies. I think like the only ones I didn't really care for were cars. And then, I know Soul was like huge with everyone. Everyone loves Soul. I just didn't like it because I don't like fucking to be reminded for two hours that I'm gonna die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I have a big problem with death in general, and for a kids' lighthearted movie reminding me for two hours that we're all gonna die. Thank you, dude. Inevitable. Thank you. I got attacked. I didn't love that either for that. And I got for any of my takes ever on the podcast. And I didn't even really go after, but I just mentioned I'm like, this is a really a kid's movie. Kind of bummed me out. It's not like on my rewatch list for Pixar. And people came for my neck. And I'm just glad to hear I wasn't alone. Fuck Thank it. God. Dude, I'm sorry. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I, this isn't supposed to be a fucking soul review. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. It's like, I don't even think it's like that bad for kids, to be quite honest with you. They, typically, kids have their whole fucking life ahead of them. But for a fucking middle-aged guy like me who feels like I can, I'm going to die tomorrow th- and I've lived half of my life and uh, what the fuck have I done with it? <laughs> soul, soul can go fuck itself. I, I, can ne- I will never watch that movie again. Because, yes. and I'm glad that people enjoyed it. I'm glad you liked your soul. I'm glad you loved your Pixar stuff. I typically love the Pixar stuff, but my God, two hours of being bombarded with the fact that the Grim Reaper is fucking knocking at my door is not something I need to be reminded of, uh, incessantly throughout this fucking movie. It was driving me crazy. So after I got, I, I was a wreck after fucking soul. And thank you. Like we, I got done watching that with the kids, and Hazel turns around. She goes, "Are you gonna die soon?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Oh, <laughs> like, oh God, man! Yeah, like let's put on Wolf Walkers and enjoy a good animated movie. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it fucking oh man, yeah, that movie. Jesus Christ! What what did you think about this, Paul? Pixar popcorn. You know, I mean. I don't know if I can toss it just because I really don't like this definitely wasn't made for me. It's just these stupid little I mean, stupid, whatever. But like, you know, it's just, yeah, Buzz Lightyear is working out and he's teaching the other toys to work out. Cool. Like he did that for a minute. Um, They're made of plastic. Any- it, it makes no sense. He <laughs> <laughs> can't build it. <laughs> yeah. You know, toys don't gain weight, lose weight, burn calories. Come on. Yeah, no. But like. If anything, I think more attention should be on the actual amazing shorts that Disney Plus is actually putting out almost on a weekly thing that gets no recognition. They got some amazing 11 minute shorts that are being put out. And for like something like this, yeah, you can put it on for like, you know, maybe your four or five year old just to get them to shut up for five minutes. I, I don't know. Um, was not like a huge fan. I see why they did it, but if anything, um, 
Disney Plus does have this really, especially for the parents out there, they have this really cool thing called Zenimation. I don't know if you guys have seen that at all, but it just like it's to get the kids to calm down. They just show like the landscapes of like popular Disney movies. I feel like control. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That is so much better than these. Like it just seemed like, oh hey. You know, like Pixar is just going to try to remind us after Marvel or after WandaVision, like we're still a thing too. So here's some shorts. Yeah. Yeah. People might be saying, well, Brian, you, why, you liked Beetlejuice and that whole movie was about, well, I saw that when I was a fucking kid. Yeah. And it was cool. I saw it when I, yeah. I saw it when I was a child. Anyway, I don't know. Catherine O'Hare is dancing at dinner. Like, come on. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about this, Billy? I don't know. I'm actually on the opposite. I mean, I was like amazed. It was a solid taste it for me. Uh, I think something that's positive to note out for everyone is that the whole, all 10 of them together are only 21 minutes total. It's an easy thing to have popped on your cooking or hanging. It's not like a huge commitment time-wise. The ones with Fluffy and Ducky the Bunny, those were definitely the funniest too. I enjoyed it for what it was. I'm not going to gush over it any further than that. I think it's a solid taste it for a 21-minute commitment. I do agree that there is definitely other animated stuff that should get love and get some more attention. But for what this was, you know, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, they they had the soul short, and then I started thinking about death again, and then I was like, <laughs> why am I wasting my fucking the rest of the 17 minutes here watching this? I'm gonna. Brian, I could die Brian, at any moment. Cool. Why don't they just come out with a fucking movie called "You're Gonna Die Soon"? With like, you know, I don't know that movie. Oh, that movie fucked me up, soul. <laughs> you and Hazel can do therapy together. Oh my, I'm gonna need it, man. I'm gonna need it. She's uh, turning around with like tears in her eyes, like, "Are you gonna die today?" Oh, like, God, I don't know. That's so <laughs> fucked. God, that's terrible, dude. Dude, it uh, sucked. It was a fun Christmas. Yeah, that's uh <laughs> Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for Christmas. Let's watch that sto- let's watch that movie about the guy dying. With a sweet dessert of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey, but they put a cute cat in the movie, so I guess it equals out, right? There you go. There you go. Uh Fate, the Winx saga. This is on Netflix, a live action adaptation of Nickelodeon's Winx Club from two thousand four. It- follows Bloom as she adjusts to life in the other world, where she must learn to control her dangerous magical powers. Billy, why are you using a, a metal table? <laughs> I'm sorry, that was my notebook. No, that, I, I didn't even hear anything that time, but like, what, what, what's up the, why, why, of all the table choices. Oh, let, let, let me let me clarify. The table is wood. It's the the cup holders are attached on the side and those are metal along with like the attachments on the side where you can put controllers and modem and stuff. It's a gaming desk. So ah. I was taking the wine bottle out of the metal cup holder. And yes, maybe I like to drink. So Oh, wine bottle. That's badass, man. Well, I have the glass here. I'm not gonna. I want to stay live. I, I want to not be getting up and down a lot. And again, I, I like to drink a little bit. So, all right. I thought you had a metal table <laughs> over there, like it was. I don't know, like one like of those... Dexter, like chopping something up on a metal table or something. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah. that. Just yeah. like that. Fate the Wink Saga. It's a team drama. It's a teen drama series inspired inspired by Nickelodeon's animated uh, series Winks Club, which was created by. Eugenio Straffi, and 
I watched the first episode. How many did you guys watch any more? One episode. Thirty minutes of the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh man. Alrighty. Alrighty. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you've got, it's, it, you got a, a girl who, uh, Abigail Cohen plays Bloom, a 16 year old fire fairy who is raised on earth by human parents. She's a first year student at Althea and Aisha's roommate. She discovers that she's a changeling. And so it's like, it's this whole like, uh, YA kind of like, uh, Harry Potter story that, uh, and it feels, it does feel like a, uh, CW show. And, uh, I don't know. What'd you think about this one, Paul? Yeah, well, I mean, I loved it. I turned off after the first third. I just realized this wasn't my thing. Um, I wasn't gonna, stick through it like i'm sure there's a i mean it's based off a nickelodeon show you know ya stuff is super popular but i'm just i've seen the harry potter movies like Mm. once each i think and i just this whole magic thing isn't my cup of tea so i just tapped out and figured you know i'm gonna go watch something else instead you don't like you don't you're not a fan of magic and movies (sighs) well i mean like um, Doctor Strange? Did you hate Doctor Strange? Okay, you know what? <laughs> Did you hate Derek Delgadio's in and of itself because of the magic? Yeah, I wanted to hit him with that golden brick. <laughs> um. <laughs> Paul, the only thing Paul wanted, the only magic Paul wants is to make Fate the Wink Saga disappear. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, I mean, no, and like, I'm not gonna knock it, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like, ooh, Tinkerbell is an air fairy. Like, we need to learn our shit. Got it. You know, um, whatever. But, no, I'm sure there's a lot of people that enjoy it, and that's awesome. But that just – I just was not into it. What do you think, Billy? No, this was th- – I'll, I'll knock it. This was bullshit. This was like a, a rated G version of, like, The Magicians from sci-fi. And some of the things that just it's a bullet points here. Um, apparently, Instagram works via Realm, cross Realm. So I'd like to know what kind of data plan they have to do that. Um, and yeah, I thought Bloom sounded like a Pokemon name, so that made me giggle pretty quick. It's it, like it's like I said, I wrote a CW knockoff of the Magicians. I got through the first episode. They're trying to set up some intrigue. It's six episodes. They're like an hour apiece. It was brutal. It was a long hour, um, which is saying something even compared to some other things that we watched this week. But this one, I couldn't even – I was like, maybe I'll give it a second episode. And I, I by the time I got about 30 minutes in, I was like, I want to at least finish the first episode to give some decent review. But it's a toss-it for me. Yeah, you said, I don't want to be the guy in the podcast that only watches 30 minutes of this. You know? Yeah, fuck that. Overachiever, guy. man, right? <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't love this, but I also didn't hate it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> that Tinkerbell knowledge it's, that got you in. No, it's nothing. I'm never, listen, I'm never going to go back to it. I probably won't get back to it, but it was just like, it was like, uh, Beverly Hills 90210 meets, uh, Meets Harry Potter or something. <laughs> Stop drawing Harry Potter into this, guys. This is 
you're besmirching Harry Potter. <laughs> they fuck it. Well, they fucking they even bring up Harry Potter in this fucking thing. Exactly. They're it's a school. It's a school of magic. So I've got to bring up the best school of magic adaptation. Harry Potter. Compared to the worst school of magic adaptation. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is subjective, sir. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll die on the show. <laughs> most people, hold on. Most people are going to side with you, Billy. Most people are gonna, most people are going to watch this. But you know what? Me and other twelve-year-old girls, we don't mind it as much. <laughs> Listen, I'm probably not going to go back to this. I'll be honest with you. I'm probably not going to be like fucking like beating the drum of Fate the Wink Saga. It's not going to come up on next year's Tuppies. So, yeah. One thing I can promise is that my fiance, who just loves horrible television, will finish it. So the next time, if there's a next time I'm on, I will let you guys know what the full season review was from someone that actually powered through the whole thing. All right, yeah, looking forward to that because <laughs> I probably I I I probably won't be going back to this show. There's other things. There's, there's so much more out right now. I get. I need to get. It's not like I'm going to be like, oh fuck, uh, uh, <laughs> this or servant, you know. So it's I'm going to be getting back to servant. I'm going to be getting back to your honor and, so, and the expanse and some of the things that I've been trying to watch. And I probably I will not be going back to fate. The Winx saga. So, I, but I didn't hate it. On the, on the other hand, I didn't absolutely hate it, but I can't tell people to watch it. Um, Sightless on Netflix. This is a new movie. After an attack renders her blind, Ellen Ashland withdraws from the world to recover. But soon she plunges into paranoia, unable to convince anyone that her assailant has returned to terrorize her by hiding in plain sight. It's written and directed by Cooper Carl, who directed The Pale Horse, and then I found out also directed another version of this movie, Sightless. So he's done, so, so Cooper Carl has done this movie twice, and it looks like the main, one of the main characters in that one shows up as like a, uh, a cameo in this new one. So he was like, you know what? I, he was like Sam Raimi after that first Evil Dead movie. He's like, I can do it better. And so, and so, you know, and so they made the Evil Dead 2, which is basically the same movie as the Evil Dead, just with like bigger budget. And so that's what we got here. We got Sightless 2.0. And, uh, seriously, I just want to say, fuck this movie. Fuck this. This movie thinks it's smarter than it is. I, I thought the acting was pretty shitty. Um, I, you can get through it. You can get through it. There's a mystery there and like there's, a, you know, you got the twist and everything and, and, and then, so it's a, it's a movie. I just don't think it was, I don't, I don't think it was like executed well. I don't think it was acted well. Um, maybe if this was like my, you know, one of my first movies and I'd never seen like a, a good movie, I might like this one. But uh, I'm going to give it the lowest of taste-its. What do you think, Paul? I'm going to toss it. I, and, you know, I didn't even, like, I never read the synopsis. That's a pretty, for what the movie's trying to go for, that synopsis is really kind of giving a lot away. Um, I didn't even realize that. But, no, this movie is stupid. Um, 
I saw the ending come. You know, I saw the ending coming way before she did. That's a bad blind joke. Um, but if you actually want to see a really good version of this movie, I suggest watching the Mike Flanagan movie Hush. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, if, I love if, Mike if Flanagan too. I don't think I've seen Hush. Okay, Hush is awesome. It's got um, John Gallagher Jr., but it's got Kate Siegel from uh, like The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor, mm-hmm. where she is deaf and mute, and she goes into the woods, and she ends up being stalked by a guy. So okay. she has to use the rest of her senses to beat this dude. Okay. And that is so much better than this piece of shit. All right. All right. What'd you think, Billy? Yeah, though my third bullet point was so it's pretty obvious that the blankety blank is the person that was the attacker. They was very telegraphed. And the other thing that pissed me off about this movie was that the the guy, who cares? No one's going to even get through this movie. The guy that was the bad guy gets his ass kicked by the blind chick so many times. It's outrageous that this dude is not able to keep this chick under control. It's the lowest of taste it because I did finish it. I feel like it's toss at something where I can't get through even the entire thing. I was able to finish it. I thought it was an intriguing premise towards the end. It was giving me, I was like, oh, are they going to go for like a cabin in the woods kind of thing and get really sinister and cool? But then it was kind of lame and just like you said, Brian, they think they're smarter than they are. It's lazy writing. It's yeah. really bad acting. Let's make it twice. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I literally just wrote to myself, there's another one exclamation point. Like I'm going to just almost hate watch just just because I'm a little sick. But no, it's the low, I wrote literally low, low taste it for my rating when I watched it. This movie should be called, it should have been called scriptless because the, oh my God. <laughs> God, yeah. Fucking, yeah. Fuck this, fuck this. What, this week, this week for content, like some really great stuff, then it's just like sprinkled in with shit. This felt like the second time that I've pledged a fraternity in my life. I feel like it was the first week on the real episode, and Brian's like, I'm just going to give you a bunch of random weird shit to have you digest and see how dude, you handle it. This is just like, I, I, dude, I never know what I'm going to get from week to week. There could be some really, there's, there could be some great gems in here. And, you know, like, this could have been like, you know, like, Sightless could have been, like, the next great, like, oh, my God, this is, it felt like a Jason Blumhouse movie. And, like, man, this was so good. And it was fucking garbage. So. Wish.com Blumhouse movie. Yeah, no shit. No shit. This is fucking dollar store version. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. It was, yeah, Sightless is not good. The Secret of Kells. This is, uh, this is, um animated it's an animated fantasy film about the making of the book of kells an illuminated manuscript from the ninth century the film was animated by cartoon saloon who also made wolf walkers which you can watch that right now on apple tv plus and um it's a this one's about a young boy in a remote medieval outpost under siege from barbarian raids is beckoned to adventure when a celebrated master illuminator arrives with an ancient book brimming with secret wisdom and powers. It was directed by Tom Moore and Nora Twomey, and this is the first installment in Moore's Irish folklore trilogy preceding the film's Song of the Sea and Wolf Walkers, which just came out last year. Um, this stars a bunch of people I didn't really know, except for Brendan Gleeson plays Abbott uh, and he is, um, he played, uh, Mr. Mercedes 
And speaking of Harry Potter, he played uh, Mr. Moody, Alistair Moody, in the Harry Potter films. So, uh, Paul, did you get a chance to see The Secret of Kells? I did. This this was an absolute Tupperware. Um, I know Wolf Walker's... Uh, got the tuppy for me for animated movie. I believe it was your runner-up after Soul. No, fuck Soul. <laughs> <laughs> that you got you got me and Jake confused there because like Wolf Walkers oh, was no. I know Wolf Walkers was my number one. Fuck yeah, Soul. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> Not a little bit of heart and soul. Um, no, I man, Cartoon Saloon is is just fucking. This was awesome. I I love I love the hand drawn. I love like um how they're like over exaggerating like certain characters, you know, like physical forms. Uh the storytelling is amazing where I actually turned off Jinx Saga and I rented the Song of the Sea. Did you call it the, I, the Jinx Saga? <laughs> you whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> it's is it called the uh Fate of Winx tail or something fate a wings tangle whatever whatever is <laughs> <laughs> that, that horseshit that oh, the, the winks the wink saga the wink saga it's the wink saga totally yeah um no but i i when i turned that off i just i rented song of the sea because i needed to i was all in on cartoon saloon uh wolf walkers got me into it and Secret of the Kells and not give anything away, but man, the ending of that was nothing I expected. Paul, Paul like accidentally Jason. rented Song of the South, the old Disney. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Paul was like, it was nothing like the original two in this <laughs> really trilogy. Weird. It was, really it was really turn. weird and slightly racist, actually very overtly racist, Brian. It was weird. I can't believe came from the same people multiverse kind of shit Must yeah have been different you know universe those birds those birds were somehow worse than the ones in secret of kells all right um, <laughs> no it, it's a total tupperware i enjoyed it i loved the ending i think it was a very different type of ending for a kid's movie which at some points this could be pretty traumatic for kids i mean yeah, yeah we grew up with bambi and finding nemo dude but, no uh, we we grew up with fucking optimus prime dying Dude, Jeez. like all of the Autobots. Fuck. Yeah, I know. Wheel Jack, Ironhide, Brawn, Dude, Ratchet. That's when we all lost our innocence. Yeah, it is. It is. That's when I became a... I started thinking about death the very next day. <laughs> <laughs> Soul was the long-awaited sequel to that, I guess. Um no, yeah, Total Tupperware, loved it. The animation's great, story's great. Uh, Song of the Sea, you, you gotta you gotta watch that one if you enjoyed this. Oh, I will. I will, 100% I'll watch it. What did you think of this one, Billy? Did you get a chance to see this? Yeah, I did. Uh, I liked it. I have it as a taste. It, I, to, to me, and I, I'm going to ask you guys, obviously, I didn't know that it was – that it was part of any kind of trilogy. I didn't. I thought it was a standalone thing. So I am a little bit more intrigued now. I just didn't get a big attachment to a lot of the characters. The animation was awesome. I thought the direction and all the visual effects were awesome. I thought the Abbot, the the uncle, was a, bit, a total dick. It kind of t- took me out of it a little bit. And then, like I said, I I, I thought overall I enjoyed the animation. I'm a big animation fan, so I'll stick through something just to enjoy like the kind of the artistic direction of it. Um, I would be curious, kind of ask you guys 
where would you rank this compared to the other ones? Is this like at the top, or the would you say the other ones are better? Because if if you think some of the other ones are even better, I might check those out. You'd have to ask Paul. I haven't seen uh, Song of the Sea. I did see Wolfwalkers. I'll get to my rating. I think this is a high taste. It. I I don't think it's as good as Wolfwalkers and. Uh, I think Abbott was supposed to be kind of a dick throughout this. So I think that, uh, yeah, I think that if you're, if you're picking up that he's a dick, yeah, he was, he was kind of a <laughs> yeah. dick and I think it was intentional. <laughs> um, but, uh, the animation is absolutely gorgeous in this. And I just, I felt like the story was good. I thought it was, I, I thought it was interesting. I just didn't feel like it was as, good as like what we saw in like their latest entry of wolf walkers so but it's an easy watch it's like an hour and 15 minutes it's a very quick watch paul what do you think is the out of the three that you've seen which is the best wolf walkers is the best i i, I do think wolf walkers is the best and secret of kells really ties more into the lore of wolf walkers which is why i really enjoyed it especially with the one uh character of the you know the the wolf character in secret of the kells um it kind of plays into mythology of wolf walkers but yeah wolf walkers was just that's definitely my pick out of the three uh song of the sea would probably be number two and secret of the kells would be last but i still enjoyed the hell out of all of them and it's you know i grew up with a lot of these celtic stories you know being grown up in an Irish household, so it's just it's just a fun time to watch this stuff. Was it Jessica Simpson that thought Chicken of the Sea was an actual chicken? Yes. yes. What a yes. dumb... New, the newlyweds, yeah. Oh my god. That has to be a real moment, right? That's not just fucking... You can't no, make that, that up. That, no, that was genuine. Remember, you're talking to the reality guy here, like, that was a genuine moment. The reality. You've been doing reality for, like, well, how long now? Uh, Brian, let's. You let's, just let's bragged about how you were fucking just started doing this. Uh, three three episodes, my friend. Okay, three. Oh, I, three <laughs> you, yeah, you're <laughs> you're you're quite seasoned. Um, See, there's the reason why I'm the CPO, the Scene Invaders podcast, the Chief Pandering Officer. I'm <laughs> I'm very good at at it just. Yeah, yeah, no, man. If hey, if I if there were podcasts back when fucking. Uh, uh, Flavor of Love was on. I would have been doing that podcast all day, dude. The thank best. you. And I know Billy is kind of probably, but Billy, I just watched my first ever season of The Bachelorette a couple a couple weeks ago with uh, when they had the two on, and I was telling a friend I was watching it with that, like, man, this is nothing compared to like people spitting on each other on fucking like. You know, flavor of love. Oh, fucking when pumpkin fucking spit. Pumpkin. No, no, yeah, pumpkin spit on New York. You don't get that shit in The Bachelor. You get like a very civilized. You, no, I want to see like the fucking fake nails come off. Do you remember when the one girl was climbing up Flavor Flav's stairs and she accidentally took a shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about the girl with the fur, the turkey, the frozen turkey? Oh, God. The microwave. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, the clock. It was, it, you know, Hoops ended up winning the first season, but I was just could never get out of my head. Like, hey, yo, Hoops, come get your clock. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I used to love that fucking show every fucking week, man. I used to watch that shit all the time. I and they even like had after a, watching. They had a Pluto channel 
for it. And I yes, was Pluto's dude. Shit. I was fucking stuck on that shit. And then I was watching like the old, uh, you know, uh, the Rock of Love episodes with Brett Michaels. Oh my dude, god! You need like a VD shot after watching that show. <laughs> yeah, you do. Tequila, tequila. I never watched Tila Tequila, but I watched Ooh, all guys and girls because she was bisexual. I so know. Male and female contestants. Oh but. my god! Wow, that that really changes the game. You know, are you guys going to do uh, when you start? You know, you're doing the reality thing. Are you going to do? Are you going to do the circle when it comes back on Netflix? Oh, we're we're down to really watch anything. We're obviously with COVID, a lot of even especially like the reality shows and those even like those Bravo and any of those kind of things got affected a lot because a lot of their storylines revolve them like going out and socializing and things. And it's not a circle doesn't circle doesn't those motherfuckers are stuck in their own room. We like, should be on season ten of the Circle by now. No <laughs> shit, yeah. yeah well, that's why we haven't seen anything from them. Like the Netflix is very slow with getting that stuff out. But we, you know, things like the Challenge that come out a lot. The Bachelor is never stopping. Bachelorette, there's going to be Bachelor in Paradise. So, and we're open to people like suggesting things too. I mean, we could go back and watch Flavor of Love again. I mean, we're never opposed to something like that. I would love to see them like on The Bachelor, like uh, fucking. Uh, they they choose a bachelor who's like a magician, and when he gets him the rose, he like pulls it out of like a different body part of each woman. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like, <Ooh. laughs> like why? Right. From your vagina, you know. Or like he fucks with them in a different way. Like he gives them the rose, but when they take it, it just like crumbles apart. And he's like, ah, oh, just kidding, you're gone. Yeah, yeah. Or like he crumbles it up, but then he goes, and it's like it's a full rose again. Uh, how about we could actually i'm sure pumpkin's really not doing anything how about when girls get eliminated on the way out they all get spit on you know it's like Uh, that's all she's got going for her yeah i mean that's i actually had suggested uh in our last episode that a lot of the times i go on these group dates and they're like be prepared to be uncomfortable and i'm like it's gonna be like still a really awesome date i'd love to get joe rogan in there as the celebrity week guest and have them do like a fear factor episode where they do like a snake pit or have to eat some brains. I think that would really spice the bachelor up. Ooh, the most controversial one was they played like naked fucking dodgeball. Like that became such like a contention of like, so they were naked and fucking and playing dodgeball or were they bachelorette? They don't fuck at least the one I saw. Well, well, the bachelorette. Well, that was a point we brought up too, is that like they did that with a guy. If you, could you imagine if that was reversed? Oh my God, it would be, it was like, and that season was because that's the first one I ever watched, and I loved how many times she went out of her way to say she was thirty nine, and this was her last shot to fall in love. And then the guy that was so against naked dodgeball was like, "This is why you're the oldest bachelor." Yosef, like, Yosef, that guy. If this was Flavor of Love, they'd all just be like fucking in a death match right now. Oh, I, what know. I loved about Flavor of Love is that, like, when he would take them out on dates, he'd take them to, like, they thought they were going to go to, like, some fucking, like, you know, five-star restaurant. He fucking, he fucking, he takes them to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Red Lobster. <laughs> yeah, Red yeah, Lobster. Like that's real, though. Like, like, these people come back from the, like, they go on the Bachelor Bachelorette, they're, like, in this fucking place that's so far off from reality, and you come back and you are like, hey, you want to get some dinner? Let's go to fucking KFC instead of that fucking catered candlelight dinner where somebody was playing fucking violin like that's not real 
Well, like, Paul, even more so, you only saw last season where they had to kind of deal with the restrictions. Usually by the time they get to week four or five, they're traveling to different countries every week. It, I mean, it's like extravagant. No one's like dating. Each other. Of course, you might fall in love with somebody when you're flying all over the world and jet setting and going through all these crazy things. You're not having to wait for 45 minutes for a booth at Red Lobster on your You're falling your in love date. with. You're falling in love with the experience. You're not falling in love with the person. Uh, that's, that's they're, fucking... they're falling in love with basically putting themselves out there and, and the celebrity of it all. The they, influencer they, they, of it, yeah. They just want, yeah, they just want to stay on the show so that they can, you know, build a name for themselves. Like once it's all over, like I remember like a lot of these people getting done with these reality shows, like they would – you know, sign different deals with like, you can get local deals from just like you go back home and it's like all of a sudden the car dealership wants you to show up there or like this nightclub wants you to show up and just fucking be there. Just Dude. like, this is so-and-so from this show. It's like, you can make a living off of this show for a long time. I remember fucking going to wizard world back in 2010. And what's his name? Um, from fucking survivor was there. What was his name? Johnny. Oh, the guy that fucking lied to everybody about his grandmother dying. Johnny Fairplay. Johnny Fairplay was there. And it was, oh God, it was so pathetic. Nobody was going to his table. He was just kind of- <laughs> He's also like a, uh, funny thing about Johnny Fairplay is he's also, he, he's a contributor on some wrestling podcasts and stuff. He's did some independent and some wrestling manager roles. So that's his other niche. He tries to make a couple bucks off of here yeah. and there. We have fucking Danny Goki from American Idol still on billboards for, like, Wisconsin Vision glasses. I couldn't even tell you who that is. I have no idea who the fuck that is. He was on American Idol. I think he made it to, like, almost the finals. I don't know. but I stopped stopped watching American Idol after when they stopped fucking showing the people that can't sing. Oh, like William Hung? Yeah, I love that kind of shit. <laughs> That's the only reason I watch American she Idol. She bangs, she bangs. Is to watch the people fuck up and be terrible. And then I'm just like, okay, we're out of that. These are the people that are good. I'm out. All right. I fuck talent. Brothers by blood. This. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> a man. A man. <laughs> I'm from Philadelphia, Brian. Like I live, like born and raised in South Philadelphia. This movie, uh, uh, brother. Hold on, let me read the synopsis. A man remains tormented by his sister's death, while his cousin grows more powerful in the hierarchy of the family crime business. Uh, Brothers by Blood is an American, French, Belgian crime drama film, written, directed, and produced by Jeremy Guez. It is based upon the 1991 novel Brotherly Love by Pete Dexter. It stars Matthias Schoenartz from The Mustang, Joel Kinnaman from uh, uh, the fucking uh, For All Mankind, uh, Altered Carbon Season 1, uh, Suicide Squad, like Joel Kinnaman. Everybody knows who he is. Micah Monroe, Paul Schneider, Nicholas Cravetti, and Ryan Felipe. And, uh, I was just like, oh my God, saw the trailer for this one. I was like, this looks like it could be very, very good. Um, saw the cast. I love Matthias Schoenartz and Joel Kinnaman. I think they're great. Um, this movie was so fucking awful that I tapped out 
45 minutes into this one, Billy. I was, I was, I was laughing the entire time I've been muted. I could not fucking watch this. I could not bring myself back to this movie. It was, and I love Joel Kinnaman. This is the worst thing I've ever seen this guy in. Brothers by Blood was so, this is an absolute toss it. It is so boring. It's like written by, it feels like it's written by somebody who heard about a gangster movie one time. <laughs> they haven't, they've never seen The Godfather. They've never seen Goodfellas. They've never watched The Sopranos, but they have a friend of a friend who has a dentist who watched all those shows and told them about it. And so it's like this weird game of like gangster movie telephone to where like this guy makes this fucking movie and it's fucking awful. Brothers by Blood is the worst movie I have seen in a long time. So bad. A movie's gotta be real. I am the showrunner on PCL. I like try to watch everything. This movie is so fucking bad. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't finish it. Uh, yeah, I mean, man, the like, I actually wrote down the only thing Philadelphia about this movie is that, like, I could see some of my buddies, like, me giving them a camera and us knocking down a case of beers and be like, yo, let's film this goofy YouTube freaking gangster movie they play off like the italian versus irish thing that is not a thing it is not a thing like there are things like oh yeah it's there's the irish neighborhoods there's the italian neighborhoods and that was something that was a lot more prevalent back in the 60s 70s and 80s but that is not a thing now and i i, I mean i'm cracking up there they're driving around southwest philadelphia but this was none of this stuff was like my neighborhoods that i grew up in they're filming in but it was so bad, man. It's an absolute toss. It. Yeah. It's a joke. The they, they they were skipping over things. All of a sudden, the guys in the hospital. I don't think they showed him get attacked. They they're mentioning these characters they haven't established. I again, I only powered through because I just wanted to be able to give it a fair review. But you and anyone could get through about fifteen minutes of this thing and. And it was bad, and I, I was laughing. I was cracking up. My fiance is like, what are you – are you – I thought you were watching that, like, mob movie. Why are you laughing so much? I'm like, this – it's like a student parody film. I, I can't – how the hell did they get Joel Kinnaman in this? What there is, should be a commercial. How do they get any of these people in this fucking movie? I mean, there should be a commercial in a few months that it's like one of those law commercials, like – were you or a family member affected by the movie Brothers by Blood? And like, yeah, I feel personally attacked. Seriously, I I like, feel personally attacked. Where you should be able to call this fucking eight hundred number and they will fight to get you your money back for this fucking film. You know what I mean? Like, it's like one of those mesothelioma. You know, somebody. You know, you know somebody that died of mesothelioma. You know, did you did you a, a loved one die of mesothelioma? You're entitled to this money. I am entitled. For the money that I spent on this to get it back. Oh wait, 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 Brian! Did you see the the Parks and Rec cameo though that was in this movie? I didn't watch Paul Parks and Rec. I didn't. No, watch. Uh, the character Jimmy, the one that owns that restaurant and borrowed the money, is Mark Brandanowitz from like the first season and a half of Parks and Rec. Yeah, that's Paul Schneider. Yeah, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, but yeah that, he was the the cameo. Did you did you watch it, Paul? 
No, no, I'm so sad I did it now. Oh, this is yeah. the one I skip. I, I'm a big fan of terrible movies, so I don't it's know. Bad. Street Fighter is my Street Fighter is my like one of my favorite movies of all time. So I don't know. It's fucking Bri- bad, Brian. How did you watch this? Uh, video on demand. Yeah, same. Yeah, I know it's theatrical as well. I didn't see this in the theater. I saw another movie that we're going to be talking about later in the theater. But I did not watch Brothers by Blood in the theater. And I don't think anyone – oh, my God. Watching this – it doesn't matter what size screen you're watching this on. It doesn't matter. Like, I think even watching it on a bigger screen will just, like, fucking – it'll make it that much bigger of a turd. It is so fucking terrible. This movie is awful. No one should watch this. So, Brothers by <laughs> – I oh my god! I have nothing to say. I have nothing good to say about this movie. This is a this is a movie that need they need to take all of the physical copies that are left and bring it to Marty Bird's crematorium in his funeral home and burn them. They just well, they got to go. We, they fucking recently within the past few years they they erected all of the uh, ET games that were buried out into the desert. This should take yep. its this should take its place. That's fair. There, there always has to be one. So, right. Like, you know, Let's just fill that hole back up with Brothers by Blood on Blu-ray. Let's like, come on. What? Uh, can I ask you something, Brian? Honestly, like this has got to be one of the worst movies you've ever had on this show. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely up there. It's it's definitely up there. And there's only been a couple times where a movie's so bad I couldn't finish it. And the other one was that Shia LaBeouf gangster movie. I was 20 minutes away from finishing that fucking movie. The tax collector. And I was just like, you know what? Oh, Fuck yeah. this movie. I don't care what happens to any of these characters. I will never go back to that movie. This movie is worse than that movie. Oh, no. It's so bad. Uh, so my grandma's a lesbian. Guys, that is not a movie. I'm just making a statement right now. <laughs> No, it is a movie. It's on Netflix. I did not watch this one. I did either of you get a chance to see this one? A promising young lawyer sees her plans to wed into an important and ultra conservative family in danger when her grandma decides to marry her girlfriend. It's directed by Angelus Reina. And, uh, I did not get a chance to see this one, but, uh, based on your review, if anybody saw it, I will give it a shot or not. I did not. I didn't know. I, 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 I did. I watched it. So the premise of the movie, without going into too much, uh, the main character who uh, – I'll give my rating off the top. I said it's a – it was almost – it's a high-tasted, honestly, for me. It may have even been better if it not were for the – who they lead as the main character. The main character is this is this girl who basically is, she is engaged – uh, she's engaged. She's from Portugal. Uh, this is a half Spanish spoken, half English movie. So there is some subtitles involved. Uh, but she's engaged to a really high affluent Scottish fiance family. And she's really excited. She, you kind of get the vibe that she kind of doesn't really dig her family too much. Uh, but she does get news that from her grandma, she gets a phone call and she confesses to her that her longtime best friend is actually her longtime lover and that she's going to also be getting married. This kind of drives the plot. It's, you know, it's kind of like you would say like a romantic comedy with it's got a nice indie vibe to it as well. 
the two grandmothers, the two the two grandmas, the two lesbians are hilarious. They're really heartwarming. A lot of the side characters are really quirky and cool too. Um, overall, I would recommend. I think people would really enjoy it. Like I said, I think I might even give it a higher rating. But a lot of the character motivations of this main character she's super selfish she's her main concern is that if the family that of the guy she's engaged to finds out that she has a gay grandmother that they are going to cancel her wedding and she's just so set on getting married and wanting to have this structure and she does at the Uh. inevitably at the end of the movie there's like a little bit of a turn but i don't really feel like it's super earned and i feel like most of the movie she's just like a super brat so i overall really enjoy the movie there's some really funny things it is funny um a lot of the characters are super likable but it's it's definitely short of a tupperware but it's a solid taste it's almost high taste it okay yeah so this one's on netflix um yeah i don't even i mean i guess like if the person that you're with doesn't is like supportive of you know your grandmother and her you know lifestyle like that should be enough right i mean i'd say fuck the family yeah exactly and it's more so and i'm not gonna get into crazy spoilers but it's more about this character's main characters what she thinks it's never about like her going and actually asking anyone including with fiance she just seems a little it's just a little bit of an annoying character. And listen, there's always annoying characters. So at the end films, of the movie, but... we find out the the mom of the of the groom back in college ate a little pussy, right? And everybody's cool with it, right? Listen, experimenting is encouraged. It's healthy. I think you don't want to have any regrets. So you know what the hell. Dude. Uh, but again, I think if people would really find it funny i didn't think i was going to enjoy it i i sometimes am one of those people that gets annoyed by the subtitles i'm not an anti-reader but when i want to watch something sometimes i run i have to be bouncing up and down from looking at the the action to reading the subtitles Mm -hmm. but this actually had a nice healthy mix and the characters that were spanish speaking a lot of them were like said like the two grandmothers especially and they were so charming and you could tell they were just sweet people that you wanted to know what they were saying so there's a lot of comedy that comes from them that's cool I, yeah, no, I, I love these kind of stories. I think it's awesome, especially in this day and age where it's like, it is more acceptable. And so, you know, I'm not here to say like it's a hundred percent acceptable because you still have fucking detractors that think it's, you know, it's, it's wrong, but I think it's more acceptable these days. So I love these kind of like stories coming out, these LGBTQ stories that are coming out and, and, uh, cause like back in the day, it was like, what did we have to watch? It was like, we, we got to watch Kevin Klein and, um, in and out and what was that movie kiss me guido there's not a lot of like lgbtq content and now we're getting a lot more of it and i think it's fucking great um but uh yeah maybe i'll check this out i only have a problem with watching subtitled movies when i'm fucking like right before it's like bedtime i can't i can't i can't do it i can't read right before i go to bed i was like ah fine i can't do it I can't do it's it. A very fair point. I actually watched this. This was a kind of like over a couple of days over lunch. This is only about ninety minutes. I think you would enjoy it, Brian. I think you would find it pretty. It's pretty charming. I'll check it out. I will check it out. Yeah, it was on my list because it, it sounded like it had a. I like the premise. News of the world. News of the world. In in eighteen seventy. Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd is a former member of the Confederate Infantry who now makes a living traveling town to town reading newspapers for the populace for 10 cents per person. If 
Following one such evening of news reading, Kid sets out for his next location when he encounters an overturned wagon on the road. Dismounting to investigate further, he encounters a lynched black man and a young white girl named Johanna, who is dressed in Native American clothing. After an encounter with a Union Army patrol, Kid is instructed to take the girl to Union officials at a checkpoint in a town up the road where they will sort out her Bureau of Indian Affairs paperwork and see if she is returned to her surviving family. Reluctantly, Kid uh, acquiesces to the request, and this basically turns into a movie where um, this Civil War veteran played by Tom Hanks agrees to deliver this girl taken by the uh, Kiowa people years ago to her aunt and uncle against her will. And they travel hundreds of miles and face grave dangers as they search for a place that either can call home. It's written and directed by Paul Greengrass from the Bourne movies and also Captain Phillips, another Tom Hanks movie. And it's based on the 2016 novel of the same name by Paulette Giles. And uh stars Tom Hanks, like I said, and Helena Zingle as the as the little girl Johanna. Uh, who got a chance to see this one? I did. Yeah, I saw it. Um here's the thing, even not the best Tom Tom Hanks movie is still a good Tom Hanks movie. This is not the best thing I've ever seen him, man. But I did enjoy this movie overall and I liked the I like I liked seeing him with this young girl. I, this is, you know, I, it was a very kind of, they had sweet and tender moments and, and you see a level of trust that's built up between the two and, and you want to see these two, um, you want to see these two together at, in the movie as far as like him being her caretaker. That's really what you want to see at the end of the day in this movie. And, um, I, uh, I, I liked it. I'll give it a high taste. It. I don't think it's, it's the best movie I've ever seen. There's some characters along the way that I really enjoyed. I loved the, the character of John. I think the, the, the guy who is not, you know, highly intelligent, but, uh, it really enjoyed listening to Tom Hanks stories and stuff like that in the movie. And, you know, they, they encounter some really shitty people along the way in this movie. I, I, I did enjoy it. I'll give it a high taste. It. I don't think it's perfect. Um, I would recommend uh waiting maybe to see this one. I don't think it's worth the $20 to rent it right now. Um it is playing in theaters if you have theaters open. What did you think, Paul? Is this the one you saw in theaters? No, it is not. Okay. Um I'm going to echo quite a bit of what you said. Um I I'm so glad that the western movie is making a comeback. Um I think my favorite one in the past 20 years at least is uh the 310 to yuma oh god i do before you even said that 310 to yuma was coming out of my fucking mouth it was Amazing in my head movie. i love that movie's fucking ben, what's our, what's that's it? one of ben foster's best fucking performances oh yeah yeah um but you know and uh i told my mom i watched this because you know anything tom hanks is in she's gonna uh, see old people love tom hanks mm-hmm. he's, he's a charming guy and i, I remember her, my I, parents uh even when they were younger and I was a child. Uh, I don't know if they loved Tom Hanks, but my dad loved the show Dragnet. And there was a Dragnet movie, and Tom Hanks was in it, and Dan Aykroyd was, he played Friday, and he was the older partner in that. And it was the first time in any movie 
where I saw a woman wearing booby tassels. Ooh. I was a, I dude, I can't remember how I, it was. I was in the theater. My parents took me to see Dragnet and I saw a woman in booby tassels. And that for years, that was the only thing I remembered about that movie. <laughs> did they pull, did they pull you out of the movie? No, I got to stay in the movie. I got that to ever stay happened th- to you. Uh, no, I never got pulled out of a movie. No, my, I remember my first boob. Wait, it did happen. Like- my dad took me to go see showgirls. No, I'm kidding. That movie, I was, I was, I was, no, I was actually, I was like 19 when that movie came out. My dad took me to go see Under Siege when I was like fucking six. And the the girl fucking cake scene. <laughs> oh my God. I must have fucking, I must have, when I was fucking 14 years old, I must have rewound that part so many times. I must have fucking jerked it to that fucking movie a hundred times. Who is that, Erica? My oh, dick was under siege during that movie, Paul. That's a good that 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 is a good one. She was sir. the girl from Baywatch, and it yeah, was Erica Alaniac, which Baywatch has a Pluto channel. Oh my one, god! Ones Baywatch was another one where it was like, oh my god. The reason I uh, asked that is I only had one time in my entire life was pulled out of a movie, and one and I and I could knew this might have happened. My dad, who's super cool like would never pull you out of a movie he loves anything he brought my mom with me and him and i was 10 years old to see a scary movie and you know how raunchy scary movie was and just how like sexually suggestive and crazy it was and my mother pulled us out of that movie maybe 25 minutes in i think we got to like the locker room scene and <laughs> she'd already seen like six dicks and like 20 titties and she's like all right we're out of here he's 10 and I was pissed. I'm still a little, little, little bit. <laughs> <Poor hell, mom. laughs> Billy's like, I still haven't seen that fucking movie. <laughs> haven't, haven't seen a titty since. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. These fucking parental locks, mom. Thanks. <laughs> I'm 30 now. Can you take them off? <laughs> <laughs> Give me the code, damn it. Um, no, uh, and I told my mom, well, this is a fun transition talking about nudity. I told my mom <laughs> that, um, the movie isn't fantastic. I go, but Tom Hanks elevates it to just a pretty damn good movie. So I'm going to echo you with the high taste and yeah, stuff. And yeah. I don't think I'd ever watch it again, but Tom Hanks is just such a charismatic, awesome, uh, actor, especially when he's put like, with the girl, um, all of their scenes together are really, are really something. I was kind of getting sick of like, okay, like it almost felt like a MacGuffin type of thing. Like, all right, they just got past one obstacle. Here comes an even slightly tougher one to mm-hmm. get through, and he's going to have to use his knowledge of reading newspapers to get them out of it. But no, it, it's definitely a high taste that I think it should be seen. Uh, I, I agree that I don't know if I'd spend twenty dollars to watch it, but. It was a good way to pass like a couple hours. Yeah, like when this is uh, on a streaming service or you can rent it for cheaper. I I recommend it. What do you think, Billy? No, um, I actually also had it as a high taste. It. I had a lot of notes, but basically, things I I my overall I wrote at the end. The summary is basically, Tom Hanks is a cowboy podcaster who reads. NPR stories across the <laughs> Wild West. And, um, you know, I, I think those are actually some of my favorite scenes when he actually was reading the news. He was telling the stories in that bandit camp. 
uh, and he had a yeah. lot of charisma. He was able to be Tom Hanks. I kept thinking again. he was like the like the first like you know John Stewart or or you know John Oliver. <laughs> exactly. And it was like it was exactly. like the Daily Show. It really was, and people were laughing, and it was like, wow, this is like, yeah, <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. Um. The only other, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good things. I one of my things I, I went to school for was history, so I did like the time period of it, you know, falling within the conditions of the Thirteenth, Fourteenth, Fifteenth Amendment, and war debts being paid back to the Union for admission to the Union. I think that was really cool historical context, especially within Texas to still this day. And not knocking Texas, but Texas feels like its own little republic sometimes in a way, and even especially in that time, they were fully on board a lot of people with being their own republic. I'm going to um, give you, uh, seriously, I'm going to give you an A plus right now for that history oral report you just gave us. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to get you, I'm also I'm trying to get you in the top 200 on the history sub uh, subculture this week, so <laughs> we can tag that now, so you're welcome. No, you but overall, star, sir. the only other joke... I, I really heard. enjoyed this podcast, but they kept talking about a naked woman popping out of a cake in masturbation. Yeah, but come on, I mean, it was a damn good fucking cake popping. Oh my god. Oh, it was. It was. Oh. Dude, that was... that. that one of my uh, favorite movies. Betty Crocker? More like Betty Cocker. Jesus Christ, <laughs> am I right? The, uh, the only other note I had, just like a little jokingly, was that the shooting in this movie, the, the gun shooting was akin to stormtroopers. Like, no one could hit a shot in this. And they tried to also pull a Mandalorian rolling the rock down the hill to take someone out. So... Overall, I enjoyed it. Tom, like you said, Tom Hanks elevated an okay movie to a better than average movie. I bet the book, you know, it seems like there's a, some good material that they mined. I bet the book probably is pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I would um, agree. I I don't know if I'm the only one. I kept expecting this seemed like a movie tailored for Barry Pepper to play like a supporting cast role in this. Oh my god, Barry Pepper. Wow. Right? Doesn't he just seem like he was fit for this type of movie? I'm telling you, man. That fucking that movie Crawl. So good. Dude, Crawl is awesome. <laughs> Crawl is great. You know what you know what you know what movie Barry Pepper was in that could fuck off? Uh, Lone Ranger. Maze Runner two. <laughs> Maze Runner two. Maze Runner two. Yeah, Lone, Lone Ranger. <laughs> Jesus, I thought you were gonna make a joke because he's in like a ton of good movies, and you were just gonna like pull a random hate on a good movie. I uh, I actually I bought a, uh, a a pepper one time at the store, and I just wrote on it with a sharpie berry, and it was my berry pepper. <laughs> <laughs> That was, yeah, that was a, a joke of the podcast. That was that was, that was so bad. Wow. Oh, That's man. an insight right there. That was good. That's amazing. What kind of pepper was it? Red, green? It was a green one. I went classic yeah. green. I went Did you cl- draw a face on him, like a smiley face? No, I didn't do it. I didn't do a Tom Hanks Wilson with it. I just fucking wrote Barry on it. <laughs> sure, he didn't. Uh, I liked him as the sniper in uh, Saving Private Ryan. That was like my first Barry yeah. Pepper experience. He he was really good in um that mini series about the Kennedys. I wish that Salt and Pepper would come back and it was Salt and Pepper and it was Barry Pepper. It was just Salt and then Barry Pepper and they would come can back imagine, as a group. Can you imagine the Salt and Pepper shakers that you could sell off of that? 
Paul, now you're taking I, it too far, dude. I did. I did. I, I'm sorry. I'll see myself. No, we, I, um, we were at, we were at, we, we were at, we were at comedic. You G- berry on a green pepper and I took it too far. I, uh, yeah, 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 that, that, that crosses a lot. I went too far. But, I don't think you would have seen it on pop culture left. There was my Barry Pepper. Like if you say Barry Pepper, the first thing that pops in my head is he played Dale Earnhardt in the Dale Earnhardt story. Oh, three, yeah. <laughs> One time I did a little bit of performance art. Had a friends come over. We went in the backyard. I took a shovel. I dug up a, a hole and I buried the pepper. And, <laughs> and I went too far. <laughs> and I crossed the line. He was actually he was actually a cut character from Veggie Tales. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my god. Ah. Paul, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. No, God, no. You, uh, you elevated this podcast. I've, I've just been bringing it down this entire time. Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter. Uh, this is the movie that I saw in the theater. Um, behind our world, there is another, a world of dangerous and powerful monsters that rule their domain with deadly ferocity. When Lieutenant Artemis and her loyal soldiers are transported from our world to the new one, the unflappable Lieutenant receives the shock of her life. In a desperate battle for survival against enormous enemies with incredible powers and unstoppable terrifying attacks, Artemis teams up with a mysterious hunter who has found a way to fight back. Monster Hunter is written and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Based on the video game series of the same name by Capcom, the film stars... Paul W.S.'s, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson's wife, Mila Jovovich, in their fifth time working together as director and main actor. Tony Ja, Tip T.I. Harris, Megan Good, Diego Benetta, Josh Hellman, Jen A. Young, and Ron Perlman. Who got a chance to see Monster Hunter? I did not. It wasn't on my list. Oh yeah. So actually, so I tried to see Monster Hunter. Emily was battling with it. She wouldn't go to the theater with me to go do it. So she's like, "No, just do it on your Fandango." And people, God bless them, before all the pandemic, gave me a ton of Fandango gift cards. So I use Fandango now for a lot of my video on demand. I mean, I'm telling you, I have like hundreds of dollars of gift cards from people over the last couple of years. And so she's like, "No, I'm." That's a little bit of a humble brag. No, 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 I, it's more I like got a, friends that give me money. No, no, it, it, Emily would tell you it's awful. She doesn't like going they to go, the theater. Uh, my friends actually started it. calling me, uh, they started calling me Fandango Billy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I could have made up. <laughs> that was my nickname, Fandango Billy, because I got so many, uh, Fandango cards. Yeah, mm. fa- fa- Fandango Blinks, Billy Fandango, whatever you're saying. Billy Fandango. Well, they, Billy fans. <laughs> this is not like an ad for Fandango. We're not, I love we're Fandango, not dude. I fucking, I purchase movie tickets through Fandango sometimes. Even though they give that fucking service charge. Every once in a while, I'll purchase them through Fandango because it's an easy website to navigate. That's, that's a, bad. that's a brag. Fuck I it. Yeah. Yeah. This episode charge. is, this episode is brought to you by Fandango. <laughs> And unofficially links is gift cards apparently now the reason i brought that up though is the joke is just like just book just do it on your fandango it was like fine and like kind of like brazenly just went ahead and got the movie 20 dollars. who cares but it turns out on video on demand it doesn't really release for like another two weeks so oh, really i did not get a chance to see it and i but i will be seeing it in a few weeks <laughs> Yeah, Mons- I saw it in the theater. Our theater, uh, we had one theater open. 
near me. It's about 40 minutes away. It's in Bloomington. Uh, it looks like the other AMCs are going to start opening on uh, January 29th. So I'll be going back to AMCs here shortly. But I drove to Bloomington to watch Monster Hunter. And uh, Tuesdays, they have shows for five bucks. So I was like, fucking Monster Hunter for five bucks. Let's do this. And um, let me tell you, I, oh, my God. This movie is so over-the-top, action-heavy, and ridiculous, but in a great, fun way. I loved this movie so much. I like, I cannot, (laughs) and and I don't know if I can recommend it to anyone. I think, like, people, if, if you watch it, and you get it, and you have fun with it, then but there are going to be people that watch this and they're going to think it's an absolutely terrible movie. Um, I fucking loved it. You have like, it just jumps right into the action. You've got a, you've got a group of soldiers here that are transported. There's this big sandstorm and there's this, like, you can see like, uh, these, um, this like, this like electrical storm happening within the sandstorm and they're transported into this world where there are gigantic monsters that live in the sand and fucking, uh, uh, these, uh, like these scorpion like creatures that, that look like the bugs from Starship Troopers and they, they, they live underground and this, her and her group are just fucking attacked by these creatures and she comes in contact with Tony Jaws character who actually is a, a human that lives in this world and her chemistry with Tony Jaw in this movie is so good it's so fun they're so fun together and the movie is just ridiculous and fun and the monsters look great their their characters designs are awesome there's this one monster that they call Diablo that that like uh, breathes fire and I I fucking I loved this movie so much it was so much fun and ridiculous Ron Perlman's in it and when he shows up the movie is like super fun it don't leave the movie if you enjoy it. Don't leave it once it ends because there is a mid-credits scene that does set up future movies. So I, yeah, I, I Tupperware this movie. This is the best movie I've seen all year. I loved it so much. I just had a good time. It just was a fun movie. And if you have, if you have the access to see this in the theater, I highly recommend it to see it in the theater. There are going to be people that watch this and say that it is absolutely terrible, and I get it. I get why you would think that, but I personally loved it. I loved the -the over-the-top action, and Mia Jovovich, her and Tony Jaa fight each other in this movie, and like it's legit. It is so much fun to watch. She has earned her fucking badass persona that she has in this movie from all the other badass movies that she's been in. She is so good in this. And she doesn't look like she ages at all. It's insane. It's like, what the fuck fountain of life drink have you been drinking? It's insane. She doesn't look, she still looks like she's in her twenties. It's, it's unreal, but I loved monster hunter and I can't wait for the sequel. I am going to buy this on 4k blu-ray. I loved this fucking movie so much. Nice. You know, you know, Brian. It's just so encouraging during these tough economic times to see a small husband and wife business partnership work out. 
to produce such you know indie level filming to work out and give somebody their first chance. No, I, I hashtag I sarcasm. Oh my! God. <laughs> I no, I'm actually super bummed. I love this kind of shit. This was right up my alley. I'm really mad at myself that I didn't go earlier in the week when I saw that you tweeted out that you were going. We, uh, I'm now. We just we moved out of the city and we're in the suburbs in New Jersey now, and we have access. The theaters are open. And I'm I'm definitely going to go this week in theaters and check this movie out. This is right up my alley. I played a few entries of that game series yeah, as yeah. well, so um, I, I I look forward to seeing it. And I'm really glad. And I think it's one of those movies. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but like it just knows exactly what it is. It does. I love movies that mm-hmm. knows exactly what they are. It 100% knows what it is, and it like it it amps up some of the silly sometimes. But like really it's it, I honestly think it's like the chemistry between her and Tony Jaa and some of the other characters that like really works for me. Like if if you don't have like those moments with these characters like this movie there's a huge chunk of this movie like in the middle where like Tony Jaa's character doesn't speak her language and like those two are communicating with one another just through like you know, spending time with each other and like trying to communicate with one another, but like there are funny moments between them. I really, I loved this movie so much. I am going to own this movie. Oh my God. Somebody's owning that fucking bottle of wine over there. That's all I'm I saying. Was, I was cheersing it for you, like enjoying buying the movie. I was congratulating. Okay. All right. All right. That's that more of that, sir. Um, but yeah, I love disruption. I, what's that, Paul? I said that that was a great disruption. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great reason to do that. Hell yeah! I loved I loved Monster Hunter. I really did. I loved this movie so much. Monster Hunter, Mila Jovovich, Tony Jaa. I'm a huge fan of Tony Jaa. I I have been since the Ong Bak series. Um, I even enjoyed the Protector. I just love him as a martial artist. I think he's incredible. Have you guys watched Triple Threat? It's got him. It's got Tony Jaa, Eco Ues, um, Michael J. White's in it. It's just got it's it's an incredibly stacked cast. It's on Netflix. I will check that out. Yeah, check it out. It's it's not the best movie, but if you want to see Tony Jaa and Eco Ues, you know Tony Jaa and then Eco Ues from the Raid in a movie together where they actually do some stuff. It's uh, yeah, it's worth checking out. Wolf House, the Wolf House on Shutter. Who got a chance to see? I, Billy, I know you watched the Wolf House. Did you watch this one, Paul? I did. <laughs> I did. You're like, don't tell me what you think. These are their protocols for this show, and I was like, damn. I was like, no, no there's not. What no, do you mean? Hold on. Here's the thing. No, like I don't. I don't want to know anybody's rating for anything. And dude, I did not know. Like I understand why you fucking messaged me and were like, uh, the Wolf House. Like, you know, like because <laughs> this is. I have to pull my DM up now. It wasn't even anything like it didn't give you a rating. I was just like, I know. I just worry. I worry fuck. about new guests like fucking like spilling the beans before we even get on an episode. It happens a lot. Like I get ratings from from people all the time, and it's just like, dude, save it, save. It. I want to. I want to save these organic yeah. reactions for the podcast. Just, just remember, people. I've only been a Patreon guest. I'm basically like a double A pitching prospect, and I'm just maybe getting a look in September right now. 
for your team because we're out of the playoff run. So, you know, I'm working on it. Yeah, right now, here's the point where you are on the podcast. It's like somebody else says, like, Brian, I can't make it. And then it's like, I got to go down a list. And then, oh, no. and then it's, and then it's like, okay, fuck. All right. The fifth down on the list is Billy. Billy, can you make it? I, I had somebody fall out. I'm going to, I'm going to let you think that you were my top choice. But in all actuality, I'd, I'd already gone through Neil, Tristan, Rebecca, Paul, Dan West. I mean, I've gone through the list. So I moved it, up from number seven to number four. That's great. <laughs> what it sounds like to me, man, is either one of two things. Either you ran their arms crazy through and a bunch of them are getting Tommy John surgery, or now they're all holding up for better contracts. So that's fine. You know, you can you can blame it on my, my quality or inexperience, but I'm fresh and I haven't blown my elbow out yet. Oh wow. Listen 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 to this. Listen to this guy, Paul. Listen I'm, glad I watched, I'm so glad I watched Rookie of the Year last week he, to get these references. He's making oh, Henry Rowan Gardner for you. You're making a case for you're making a you're making a case for yourself, Billy, and I like that. I like that. There you go. Billy's yeah. a fun time. Billy's a fun time. Billy's a fun time, man. <laughs> Billy's a fun time. <laughs> That's right after the cake scene. <laughs> Wolf House, the Wolf House on Shutter. Directed by, uh, Joaquin Kachina and, uh, Crystal Ball Leon. And this was a, uh, it was a winner. Best animated film. Boston Society of Film Critics Awards 2020. Maria, a young woman, finds refuge in a house in the south of Chile after escaping from a sect of German religious fanatics. She is welcomed into the home by two pigs. The only inhabitants of the place. Like in a dream, the universe of the house reacts to Maria's feelings. The animals transform slowly into humans, and the house becomes a nightmarish world. Inspired by the actual case of Colonia Dignidad, the wolf house masquerades as an animated fairy tale produced by the leader of the sect in order to indoctrinate its followers. And uh, this movie is fucking nuts. It, what is this, like stop motion animation with, uh, fucking, uh, paper mache and, and paints and, uh, it is f- the, it is eye candy. I couldn't take my fucking eyes off of it. I don't know if I understood any of this fucking movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but my God, I could not stop watching it because it was like, it was fucking insane. I, do you remember, it's like, do you remember fucking, um, Sprockets on SNL when they would show like those weird clips. I felt like I was watching like a full movie from Sprockets at times. It was so bizarre. I said twisted Gumby, like a sinister Gumby. (laughs) Twisted Gumby. Gumby. Yeah. uh, uh, Talk about, talk about the Wolf House, Billy. So my first note was I went in totally blind. Some kind of twisted three little pigs, basically. This animation was so cool. It was a combination of almost stop motion, chalk animation, photorealism, claymation. Uh, I wrote, oh, actually, my exact notes from watching it live were like a fucking Gumby episode on acid. She's in the house. She takes in these pigs, but they become children. Yeah, Anna, uh, wait, what? Maria and Pedro. They become Maria and Pedro. 
Pedro and Anna. Anna, yeah, Anna, Anna, yeah. Yeah, Maria is the main character. Main girl, yeah. And like you said, it's like the, the generation and degeneration of the characters. It's like a lot of like, they're like paper mache models being created in front of you and, and decreated and... I, the, my only, well, not only criticism, besides like not knowing what the, <laughs> what the going fuck on, is going but, on. Yeah, like, but like, the thing was, I was so into it, just like, I was so hooked from the animation in the beginning, but that movie only needed to be like 30 minutes long. Yeah, no it shit. It was like over an hour, and it's funny, that's actually literally the first thing I watched on the list this week, and that's why I messaged you, because I was laughing, I, like that, and I made the joke about getting, like, hazed or pledged for my first episode, but I was like, dude, what kind of, what is the sicko shit you said on the first <laughs> fucking thing? Like, I don't know what half the shit is that we're... Last time we talked, Brian, we talked about Mandalorian, okay? Like, the- <laughs> And now you got fucking pigs getting burned and fucking covering themselves in honey and shit. I mean, <laughs> it's literally the first thing I'm going to talk about my therapy appointment. You know, like, thank you. You know, you just made someone some money. Paul, what did you think about the wolf house? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> first off, I feel, especially as a kindergarten teacher, like I know every interpretation of the three pigs. And I, I I was definitely told otherwise. And I also feel like this was me on a Friday coming into my classroom being like, shit, what am I going to do today? And I walk into the fucking art cabinet and just grab anything I can. And that's what these animators did. But I love – I do love the animation to the point where I just stopped reading the subtitles because I didn't give a shit or I was <laughs> too fucking confused by it where I was just watching – this really bizarre. I've never seen anything like this on animation before. Me either. And I, I really dug that part, but I just, I, I think around like the 20 minute mark, I just stopped reading the words and I didn't need, like when the end happened, I was like, okay, it's over. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened, but I enjoyed what I watched with my eyes. <laughs> Paul was like, I remember when there was simpler times when Brian would write, Barry on a pepper on with a sharpie <laughs> pen. <laughs> Barry the pepper. Insult my Barry pepper joke. <laughs> dude, dude, it's it's the mascot of this episode, dude. Oh, Semi dried chicken's got his work cut out for him. <laughs> yeah, good luck finding a pepper that has the <laughs> word Barry on it. <laughs> Peppers by blood. <laughs> oh God. Uh oh. Brothers by what was it called? Brothers by Blood. What is it called? Blood Brother. What the fuck was that called? Brothers by Blood. Right? What a terrible movie. Oh yeah, my Brothers god. Brothers by Blood. The, what, I really want to go watch fucked it up now. Is the Wolf House is better than Brothers by Blood? That's Silas is better. Everything is better than that movie. Oh yeah, show. yeah. Steaming oh, pile wow. of shit should be the tagline. Oh my and then, god! But then, but then, in and of itself, is so good. It's I honestly, it was worth all the shit. For that. I know. We waited through a bunch of shit. I feel like at the end of fucking uh, Shawshank Redemption, you know what I mean? Where he fucking Ooh, wait, one, yeah. wades his way through shit. all this shit 
to get to the very end and he's and and like when he's looking up at the heavens and it's raining on him and cleaning all that shit off of his fucking body that's us watching in and of itself Derek Delgadio's in it I, I feel like you during the credits <laughs> yeah I feel like we're like the Monty Python people like I'm not dead yet I'm <laughs> bring happy bring out you yeah, dead we're still there like uh Mm. Um, you know, like, weird. And, and it's nowhere near that, but I kind of felt watching this the same way I did Midnight Gospel, where I either had to focus on just the animation yeah. or just the story. But for this, I did not feel like going back. Well, the story is not, the story. the story isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> I would I, listen, listen. For our listeners, to be quite honest with you, I am going to give this a taste it just for the fucking animation, and I will also say that you do not need to finish this one. Just literally, just like watch any fucking fifteen minutes of this, and you got yes. it. Just take it in. Yeah, it's a watch yeah. the beginning. Just watch the first twenty minutes. And also, any of our listeners that want to fucking buy a green pepper and. Take a sharpie and write Barry on it, and send me a picture of them holding it. Tag us in it. Just or fucking salt and Barry I, pepper shaker. I will on. fucking throw that picture up on our Twitter. I will throw it up on our Twitter. You're about to get thirty of them now. I hope so. I hope so. Anybody who fucking buys a green pepper and writes Barry on it and sends a picture of them holding it, I will fucking throw it up on our Twitter. Just send it to Brian at popcultureleftovers.com. Title it Barry Pepper. Also going to throw out the fact that there's a pretty good odds that you're going to get a green dick pic named Barry Pepper. That was not going to happen until you <laughs> fucking it said it. So, thank you. Professor Hulk. And if yeah. somebody wants to take two Barry... Professor <laughs> If somebody wants to take two Barry Peppers and fucking superimpose them over the woman's breast that pop out of the cake and under siege, that would be oh, even more amazing. That. No, don't put them on. No, no, don't ruin that for me. Don't. Paul's like, Paul's like, that's with a, great power comes great responsibility. That's Come all on. I have left. Hercolaniac's <laughs> boobies. Come on. This, don't take that for this me. is the worst episode ever. I really feel like it is. Yes, it, is. it was my goal. It was my there only goal. I really feel like this is one of, this is a bad one. I don't think like, I don't, I don't <laughs> think anybody. Brothers by blood. <laughs> I mean, like all the movies are terrible. You know what I mean? Like, you know, one of our guests isn't bringing it. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Brian, I didn't want to say it, but you never, you ever heard the expression, don't meet your heroes? <laughs> what? Well, you were never my hero. Oh, what are you talking, I'm talking about? about you. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. You know, I'm sure there are so many listeners out there that are like, who is this fucking guy that he's got on here? Like, I've been listening since episode one, and like, I could totally do so much better than this guy, but I'm just going to tell everyone, like, don't idolize everything. Like, you know, it's true. Like, don't, you know, you don't, might, might not want to meet your heroes. That's a knock on, that is a, Paul, that is a knock on me, sir. That's, that's <laughs> who he is, man. I know, I know, I know. He had like, he had this grand, that's your fucking fault, Billy, <laughs> that you had this, that you fucking had this grand illusion of like what it's going to be like to be on PCL and you built it up in your head. That's your fault fucking fault 
And then you get here and you fucking you <laughs> shit the well, bed. Excuse me, Brian, that if I had gone the in and of itself and gotten tickets, I would have probably pulled the Dreamer card, okay? I would have pulled the Dreamer card. Well, I pulled the be a realist card because get real, dude. I don't <laughs> That I said that with a little bit of, little bit of sass, didn't I? Put a little sass. mustard. On, you put a little put a, put a little put a little mustard, mustard on that one. This is the worst episode ever. Oh no! This is a bad one. It's not. You know, it's it's not great, but it's not the worst. It's it's ranking in the bottom. The best person on this podcast was Jake. And he's not even here. Oh, shit. Now I need to put mustard on something. It's just... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Let's take a break. We're going to come back and do the Pop Culture Leftovers news. <laughs> it's like people are thinking, oh, fuck, there's more. <laughs> These fucking guys. This like, is, they don't know what we went through. This people, you know what? I honestly think that like most of the people listening hit stop 25 minutes ago, and they're all watching Brothers by Blood and loving it. <laughs> no, I honestly <laughs> think the greatest thing about They're like, this is the palate. This is the palate cleanser. This is the palate cleanser to episode 365. Oh, we haven't commented about one one trip around the sun yet. That's got to come in somewhere. Does it? I'm sorry. Oh, it's crickets. Crickets, crickets. Oh, my God. I'm having a fun time, though. No, yeah. I am too, Paul. It's also, too, you're a teacher, but my um, my mom is a teacher. That's actually originally what I wanted to do. I went to school. I went for history. I had history and poli-sci degrees. I used to substitute teach when I was in college and stuff like that, and then I let the world jade me and send me like into like business things and you know making me hate myself. No, I'm fucking with you, but no, it's but seriously, I respect it. My mom's a, a teacher too, so it's, it's hey, dope, that's man. awesome, man. That's she's doing the Lord's work, and as Brian can attest, uh, I'm doing these kids no service. <laughs> oh, I think you're wrong, man. I think I think when they get older, man, they're gonna remember. They're gonna remember Mr. Hart. I really Ryan, do. you could I have read them. It. You could have read them if you're reading something Michael Jordan. You could have read the Space Jam graphic novel to them. I was wanting to read the uh, Under Siege children's <laughs> book, and then and then, and then she popped out of the cake. You know, oh but my God. dude, okay, I'm not gonna lie. On this is between us on Zoom. Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm still recording. I gotta hit stop. Oh shit! Hold on, I gotta hit. Oh guys, everyone, wait. We just gotta put it on thing. This is off the record. Mister Hart's about to get fired. <laughs> hold on, let me. No, I'm gonna hit stop. All right, Paul. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight in Danim yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, 
The whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we are back. It is now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers News. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, so in that juvenile movie, Brothers by Blood, the gangster movie written by toddlers, does a character show up, Tony Oneball? Does it? Does Tony Oneball show up in that movie? Billy? Yeah, why not? Fuck. Yeah, yeah. So Tony Two Fish, Tony One Ball, Tony Three Eyes, you know, all of them. The whole family. The whole family, the whole family, and all the Tonys. All right. Tony Three Balls. Tony Danza. Tony Danza. You gotta do it now. You gotta do the voice now. Angela. Samantha. (laughs) Mona. Jonathan. All right. News from Dark Horizons. After nearly two decades of being in business together, Filmmaker Christopher Nolan and Warner Brothers are reportedly going their separate ways. A new report in the Wall Street Journal indicates the pair have split, and the reason was said to be, quote, in part because he was disappointed with the studio's hybrid distribution strategy for 2021. Nolan has been very vocal and very public about his disapproval of Warner's day-and-date HBO Max release strategy for all its theatrical releases this year, famously dubbing the outlet, quote, the worst streaming service on the market. At present, neither Nolan nor the studio have commented on a potential separation. Wow. Like, uh, yeah, this is... Uh, if you're another studio, like... Uh, what do you like? Like, are you already forming your offer for Christopher Nolan? Well, yeah. go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. Like, my first thought went to Sony and Quentin Tarantino. Oh, dude, Sony's on my list. I was going to ask you guys, where do you see him going? Sony's on my list. You bet. Mm-hmm. You bet. Wait, wait. So, yeah. So, tongue and cheekly, when the streaming and then the Dennis Villeneuve stuff started coming out. I went on this rant on an episode where I said, you know what? The way they're screwing around and they're not talking to their financiers and everything like that, I said, they're all going to start working for Disney soon. So could you – I could – I mean could you guys imagine Nolan with Disney? I mean that that would be wild. I, well, I don't know. And, and, and like my point too is – I mean, Brian, I like I know you made Tenet your movie of the year, so the guy is still putting out great fucking movies. Do yeah. we really want an unhappy Nolan feeling like obliged to still be working with Warner Brothers, putting out maybe not his best work? Like no, I, I mean, think I think it's time for a change, man. I really totally. do. Totally. Yeah. I like I think we've all been at that one place where you start to disagree with like the decisions that are coming from the top and you start to feel wore down from well, Paul we've need, we've like, bo- changed the pace we've both went through divorce so you know what? Wait, so, like, <laughs> uh, wait you don't say wait so 
Bri, I, I, I have like a little bone to pick. I, I don't know about like that. That really was like your favorite movie of the year. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I love Tenet. I think that okay. Tenet. Like, oh come on, what the fuck? What the fuck? Oh, are you going to be one of these people that Tenet? You just like oh, there's nothing. There's no substance with Tenet. Blah blah blah. Oh, I don't think. I, I don't think. I don't think the John David Washington performance is the best performance oh. that I saw all year. But I do on the flip side think that like Tenet is the fucking. Like, oh my god, like, years from now, the science behind Tenet, and I honestly think, like, the only person that fully understands that movie is gonna be Christopher Nolan, but I could watch, I could watch videos of much smarter, smart, hey, stop fucking groaning the entire no, fucking I, time I, I'm trying to I, tell my thoughts about Tenet. I hear you in the fucking background. I'm myself. Yeah, listen, you know, you talk about, you think Christopher Nolan's pompous for his fucking movies. I think you're being pompous right now in your reaction. Listen to me fucking uh, gush about Tenet. Um, and people think I'm really angry. I'm not really angry. Chill the fuck out. It's, 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 this is how I am. <laughs> it's Kate, it's, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I think that, I think, I think, I think like, Tenant, Christopher Nolan, I'm not the biggest, like, here's the thing. I love Christopher Nolan, but I'm, if he makes a movie that I don't like, I'm gonna let people know. I, I, I think Interstellar is not a good movie. I do not think Interstellar is a good movie. Really? I think Interstellar is one of his worst entries as far as films. But I think Tenant, I, Tenet for me is like it's it's it, the rewatchability factor of that movie is so high for me. I think I get something new out of it every time I watch it. That's just that's just how I feel. And I think I think the standout performance in that movie is Robert Pattinson, who I've been kind of like I've been on a Robert Pattinson high ever since I've been watching like you know that movie fucking. Uh, what was it? Good time, the high life. High life. Yeah, like Light, this, lighthouse. Fuck lighthouse. <laughs> I fucking hate that too. I'm but just he, saying, if you're on the kick, I thought you were just so. Uh, so I'll also clear it up for the viewers. When I'm laughing, I'm not laughing at really at Brian's. Oh, now, hey, listen, listen. Hey, do you, do you, hey, Paul, do you hear the sound of backpedaling right now? I do. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, well, you see, you don't even allow people even to give you a half compliment. I could just go in just full heel. My point is, though, I'm only laughing because I, like, love, like, the conviction. And it is still one of those things that, like, anyone can experience. Like, sometimes I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you talk. And I'm like, I feel like I'm listening to an episode. And then it pauses a little bit. And I'm like. Oh, yeah. This is where I should talk. This is where I'm. This is where I'm. Yeah. This is where I'm fucking up the episode. This is why I'm not going to get him. This is why I'm fifth. This is why I'm 17th down on the list. Feedback. You should take my stuff as live feedback. It's fu- you're doing great. Like you're doing. <laughs> you get oh yeah, you're getting lost in the episode. Yeah, no, exactly. No, so my my whole point, and I it, it, I go back. My opinion was I didn't like hate the movie in the respect that like I thought it was snooty or this or that. I love Christopher Nolan films, but my thing is that with Christopher Nolan films, I always love that there's always a central mystery and something you're trying to figure out throughout the film. And Tenet is no different. However, I just feel like it is other films that once you get to the end and you get that waha, like the wala and like the revelation, it's kind of like a key that unlocks it. That the second time you watch it, you really enjoy it a thorough way. You feel really informed. And I don't feel like after a first watch of Tenet, unless you're diving into some YouTube videos or diving into podcasts like yourself, which don't do a great job of unwrapping a lot of things for people, I don't think it's as accessible 
to the second rewatch as a lot of his other films. And that's the only reason where my trepidation comes with it. I don't think it's an awful film. I don't think it's a toss it. I probably would give it like a taste it on your scale. But that's really my chief complaint. All right. I'm, I'm glad you got you, – you feel good? You got your feelings out there? Because I you do be, actually you be, feel, you be, I feel yeah. great. Do you? Actually, do you feel yeah. a big weight been lifted? Big weight been lifted on your shoulders here? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Actually, Brian, oh, Brian, I've been listening to you gush about a movie you love so much, and I've been wanting to knock you down for so long, and now I got my chance. I got my chance, no, Brian. Oh, oh, please. You act like I have some, like, <laughs> with your face on there with, like, strings strung around, like, with this Charlie master plan. Oh, yeah, this exactly. Is, In, insert Charlie meme, this, like, roses for Charlie. This is, like, uh, basically Billy, like, rewound... You're doing a tenant right now. You're rewind, rewinding our tenant review and then get interjecting your fucking bullshit. Reverse entropy. Yeah, I don't. I, I, dude, I don't care. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I get it. Like, some people just don't. They. This is like maybe their least favorite Nolan film. I, dude, I loved it. I thought it was my. It was. It's definitely my favorite film of the year. I. Lo- I think. I loved it. That just. That's just me. It's subjective, man. And that's you know. Of course. But yeah, I'm glad you got to. I'm glad you got to put that out there. I hope you feel better. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate you. <laughs> people think, and here's the thing: I'll say shit like people think I'm serious, like I'm really angry. I don't give a fuck. I don't give. Uh, a dude, that's my been my entire life. People take. I, I know I have like this abrasive voice, and I have like the kind of the, the personality, a little bit of the shit. But like, I, I don't. I, I, it's nothing is serious it's all love and mm-hmm. like we're all obviously on here talking about horrible week of movies we watch so yeah, why can't we just God. all hate hate on each other it's all kayfabe right we're, we're all wrestling little wrestling fans we're just playing the shtick a little bit i think it's i think we're all brothers by blood at this moment <laughs> oh <laughs> come on <laughs> i'd rather be in the wolf house with you right now brian than the freaking hey that was oh cool, dude man. listen to this i think all of our grandmothers are lesbians that's all I'm saying. <laughs> it would be the worst, honestly. It could shake up this Christmas. <laughs> Just Paul's reaction is killing me. It sounds like oh Paul's like, oh, I knew it. Yeah, Edith. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, is that really one of your grandmoms, an Edith? That's a classic name. No, that is her name. Ooh, um, I've been, I've been Eleanor. That's like an old school name. What, 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 what's Grandma Pillow Talk? What's Grandma Dirty Talk? What are the, what are Grandma's? Jesus. What are they? I, mean, I think it's like scratch about like what the scratch offs and which diner and Twilight special dinner you're getting tomorrow. Did you see that new crochet pattern? That gets them going. I'm gonna eat your pussy like that casserole you made last night. <laughs> like what? <are> these <laughs> <talking about>? mm. <laughs> Just make sure you blow on it a little bit first. It's going to burn you. Oh, man. I'm going to – dude, I'm seriously going to watch some grandma porn when when we get done. Again, semi-dry chicken. We need to like – we need to PayPal this guy for the work he's got to put in for the – for the pictures with no contact. Oh, God. Whatever. Oh, my – this fucking episode's terrible. <laughs> oh, this is like, this is the, as Billy would say, this is the tenet of PCL episodes. <laughs> the reverse entropy of PCL episodes. It's going to be some kind of meme of me with like a garbage disposal voice or like me, like a picture of me superimposed over Joel Kinnaman, like with like, 
who insert random character who also go back to that movie where like you knew that there was going to be that sex scene with like the random sister that they name dropped Jefferson, which is like a hospital in Philly. And then finally, after her brother gets shot, that's when she decides to bang the main character. Like that's when she got her like bones going. Oh, like, that's when they fucked. I didn't. I didn't even get the the point where they. Oh, you didn't get that fucked. far. Oh, I didn't well, even get that no, far. Yeah, yeah. The, the brother dies, and then. Um, and she jumps out of a cake. And then, and then she bags him. Don't worry. No one's going to get one that far in the movie no and shit. two that far in this episode. So oh, don't worry about no it. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. If you're this far in the episode. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. No, seriously. You deserve a fucking, you deserve a fucking button or Participation something. Participation medal. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Where do you guys see Christopher Nolan going? Do you see? I mean. Okay. I, like dream would be Blumhouse, but that's way too below him. Yeah. Oh, that's not. I would love to see. I I know. I know. But I honestly think uh, I think Sony has done a great job of really presenting. I mean, dude, they got Tarantino. I know. Like, yeah, dude, Tarantino could have gone fucking any. Do other. they have I mean, room? They do they have like a? Do they have room for a Nolan though? Now. Oh, I mean. Like, like with everything that's going on with like theaters and movies, I feel like they would make room for them. Uh, yeah, I can't. I was thinking Paramount. I mean, Paramount off, like, like, most recently we've been reading articles, they were offered all this money from these different streaming services trying to get Maverick, you know, to skip theaters and just like be released on like a Netflix or like an Amazon Prime. Or are they waiting for their own service to start up? I I don't think no, I don't think that's going to be their own service is going to be what what CBS All Access <laughs> is going to turn into Paramount Plus or whatever the fuck. And I don't think it's I think that it, they're saying it's going to come out theatrically. So I don't know. Maybe maybe fucking ten, uh, Christopher Nolan goes over to uh, Paramount. I, that's that's that would be my guess. My second guess was Sony. Okay. Uh, I, I honestly, if I were Christopher Nolan, I it, he really has the artistic liberty to do whatever he wants. So I think he really needs to crack the code of a film that we all deserve. So I think he should take the third crack at Sightless independently. Oh. Gee, you're just you're you're all you're all jokes right now, Billy. No, 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 we, no, we, honestly, no. I, I honestly <laughs> think if, if we're not going to go, if gonna, we've I lost, two, we've lost Billy. No, I have two trades of thought on it. In a serious note, if you want to go for need, as far as like a studio that really could has to throw the kitchen sink, I would go with something like a Universal. They're oh gonna, yeah, eventually the Fast and Furious, like they're going to lose that temple within a few years. I think that could be something else where, like, they really could make a statement. But honestly, and I know people aren't going to love it, but I was joking earlier. But, like, why not Disney? Why not? I, I, I don't see them getting in his way. I think they. I was trying to forget that you said that because it's so fucking stupid. Why? Why? I mean, not, not like a stupid. Well, I mean, why is it stupid? I mean, I'm, if I'm putting it out there. I, why the fuck I, would I he just, go to? Are you talking about Disney? Why the fuck would he go to Disney? Why not? Because it's Disney. I don't I think, think they're going to let him off. Like, I don't think they're going to let him have full range to come up with these really, you know, thought provoking, just intricate 
plots. I think they want if they went for Nolan, I feel like they'd want him to be more of like a franchise type of guy. And yeah, he did do Nolan's going to be Batman. directing the Lion King three. I, I, like, what the I fuck are you talking I about? Really, no, I really don't see that. I I really think that the idea of like they never who is anyone honestly like in the past if with you had said that in the last year, two years, three years, like if anyone ever asked you, do you think that? Warner Brothers is going to let Nolan or they're going to screw that relationship up. Everyone would have laughed. They would have said, what are you talking about? Like, there's no way that that's such like they are like such a symbiotic relationship. They've done so well for each other. So at this point, I didn't think that there would be a chance that Star Wars would have ended up at Disney. I didn't think at a point that Marvel would end up at Disney. So I'm not saying that like it's the perfect solution. Like I said, I also think that like if you want with studios of need, I think Universal would be there. But I also don't think we're gonna be can be all be flabbergasted at the point and whatever. Like maybe this is the take that everyone will trash me on or they'll trash me on half the takes I put out there today but I'm I'm putting that out there I don't think it's an impossible I'm thinking they're going to trash you on 75% of the takes what do you think Paul? Uh, Let's let's do that let's let's all go let's just set the prop ads up you know what the one thing one thing though that I just suddenly started thinking about when Billy was talking is they could maybe like Maybe Disney does want to go after him, but maybe they don't put him under the Disney umbrella. Maybe they, maybe this is kind of like a catalyst for them to kind of restart like a searchlight type of thing because they do have the Fox stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe they come out with uh, Snowlin White. How about that? Snow White, Snow and White. I don't know. It just sounds. I don't. It just sounds. It's. I. It's such a weird thing. For I'm hearing this for the first time, Billy. You're saying Nolan goes to Disney. Do you listen? Have you seriously think about somebody hearing that for the first time? Nolan goes to Disney. It just seems so out there. They do not. Disney just feels like a machine. They mm-hmm. feel like a machine. They are not the filmmaker studio. And I feel like that's why Nolan went to Warner Brothers because they were supposed to be the filmmaker studio. And I feel like after this announcement that got made that all like their 2021 lineup is going to go straight to their streaming service, that he was like, this is not what I signed up for. Bru- uh- you know, Brian, it, like that analogy almost is kind of like Seth MacFarlane or uh, um, MacFarlane going, not Seth, uh, Todd, MacFarlane Todd MacFarlane going back to like DC or Marvel after being at Image for so long. It just doesn't make. It, yeah, like, yeah. It doesn't make that like I don't see. It's that like happening. it's like I'm I'm leaving Warner Brothers, which I thought was the filmmaker studio, but I'm gonna go to the studio that is like the. Like they are a machine. They ha- they do things the Disney way. Or where or it's he like does a Mc, he does a McFarland and creates his own studio now. Well, I mean, J.J. Abrams has like you know Bad Robot and stuff like yeah. that. But like other 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 studios pick up those movies. It's I, I I don't know I. I... <sighs> Wait, so honestly, my only thing is, guys, and like I mean, you can disagree with me, but. 
I don't think Disney got this label as a non-filmmaker studio until like recently, like the Star Wars stuff, a lot of the films breaking up. But like, I don't think classically back to like Disney films of hearing stories of all their great films, having all these controversies of getting in the way of their filmmakers. I think that's only been recently when like, again, the fandom of like Star Wars, which I'm not going to get into this week of the toxicity and everything, but like, let's i would like to just say like i really do think it's more of a recency bias in the non-filmmaker bias of disney again i'm not any kind of disney fanboy i don't oh, go to yeah, disney I world i think but that I, that's the only thing I, my caveat i would put out there I, before we go back to disney being the non-filmmaker studio i think forever disney was the filmmaker studio and the imagination studio so I know recently with the Star Wars and Marvel, again, remember Marvel is Feige. Feige is a super producer extraordinaire that we don't know what it would be without him. And I, 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 I don't think Disney overall is anti-filmmaker in all of their films and all of their properties. Yeah, but when I think of filmmakers like Christopher Nolan and – Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese, I just don't see a home for those types of directors at Disney. I'm not mm. saying that Disney won't let filmmakers do what they do. And you can talk to James Gunn. James Gunn will say that like they basically let him do what he wanted to do on Guardians of the Galaxy. There was no studio involvement. And I believe him because I don't believe James Gunn to be a guy that fucking is just going to bullshit you. I think that James Gunn is pretty you know, forthcoming and, and honest. Um, and he's James Gunn has actually been on the internet as one of the guys that have been calling out media websites. Like we got this covered when they're fucking making up bullshit. He's like, ah, that's not true. He'll like, he'll link the article and be like, that's not true. That's not true. This is not true. And, but I, I just don't, I don't think, I don't know if Disney wants to make his types of films is all I'm saying. Paul mm-hmm. brings up an interesting point saying the searchlight, searchlight. So that is yeah. interesting. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. see. Like, like I, I feel the way Disney goes about hiring these big time directors is with a specific property in mind. I just don't see them hiring someone and saying, hey, write something and give it to us. Like, we're going to hire you because we think your vision best goes with this property. And I just don't see Nolan being that type. You know, like he did do the Batmans, but I think now he wants to establish himself as more of his own independent voice. And right now I just don't see Disney being like, yeah, dude, just like we're going to hire you and you just give us a script and we'll go there. I think they'll like hire him and be like, hey, we want you for this next wave movie or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into the next story here. We'll see where, uh, where uh, Christopher Nolan will go and we'll report on that. In the future. News from Dark Horizons, uh, from Dust Till Dawn animated series planned. It has been a film franchise and a live action series. Did anybody watch, did, did anybody watch the From Dust Till Dawn series on L Ray Network? I never, I don't think I ever watched a single episode. I didn't even know it was a thing. No, me neither. That's the first I'm hearing about it. Now filmmaker Robert Rodriguez has indicated that an animated series incarnation of From Dust Till Dawn is in the works. The original 1996 film followed a pair of American criminal brothers who take a, a family as hostages in order to cross into Mexico but find themselves trapped in a saloon frequented by vampires. George Clooney, Juliette Lewis, Salma Hayek, and Quentin Tarantino starred. 
speaking with SFX magazine during further We Can Be Heroes promotional rounds, Rodriguez reflected in the live action TV series they did, which ran for three seasons and was released internationally as a Netflix original. So it was released internationally as a Netflix original. I know, I think it was on El Rey Network. Uh, here in the U.S. He then revealed the new cartoon telling the outlet, now we're looking towards, we're developing an animated Dust Till Dawn. You're the first person to hear that. He then says the show won't be a remake of the movie. Rather, it will follow in the footsteps of the live action series and further explore the world of Aztec vampires. No production or release plans for the series have yet been announced. I don't Hmm. Uh, animated, animated from dusk till dawn. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of down with this. Maybe it depends. I mean, I've, we've recently got the Castlevania series and I've been digging that on Netflix and I don't know. Um, who's like, I'm sorry if I missed this to say who plans on do it. Like, like which company or like which streaming services would go to. It, they don't know yet. Oh, all right. Like, yeah, I would totally be down. I mean, like, like, um, I, I, like, I know it was adapted from a comic book, but like the Spawn animated series was a fantastic adult animated show. Like Harley Quinn is killing it. I would love, I would love if they, uh, you know, just because quite, I know Quentin Tarantino wrote it and was in the movie, but like, if they got the people to do the animation from the first Kill Bill. And like use that style around um, Dust Till Dawn. I would totally be down for this. I like what you're saying. What do you think, Billy? I, do, I, 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 we've all seen the movie, right? Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I, I I like the idea of that. Like the mature animation. I think I, I think something like similar that's upcoming would be like the Invincible series. I think. Yeah. I, I, I'm psyched for anything up this vein. Now I'm not you know. A super expert on that specific property, like the like the one topic here, but I'm excited to check it out. It's definitely up my vein. We'll see. I, I love From Dust Till Dawn. I love that fucking movie. I never watched this fucking the live action series, and I, I knew it was I knew it was out there. It was just something that it just kind of like escaped me, and it's like. I don't know who's going to El Rey Network and all this shit. I don't know who the fuck was doing that, but somebody was watching that. But I mean, yeah, an adult animated from dusk till dawn. Um, I'll check it out. I'm hoping that it's good. We'll see. But um, yeah, and the, Paul, they'll probably what they'll do is they'll they'll make a pilot and they'll shop it around and see who wants to who wants to do okay. it. You know, like Netflix or Amazon or somebody or Disney. You know, they might sign from dusk till dawn. <laughs> And fucking Christopher Nolan in the same day. Christopher Nolan is going to take over the Dust Till Dawn animated series. Now, now Billy just thinks I'm just making fun of him, and I, I'm an asshole. No, and I, no, no, no. I mean, Amazon couldn't be a terrible option too. I mean, let him go to Amazon. Whatever. Finally, you're making some sense, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> 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 people are like this guy's getting so upset I'm like I am the least sensitive person of all time so it's fine <laughs> news from Dark Horizons Dungeons and Dragons TV series planned people are like is this news and it was like yeah it is because what we reported before was a Dungeons and Dragons movie starring Chris dum, Pine dum, dum. 
I know, dun dun dun, starring Chris Pine. But this is a Dungeons and Dragons TV series plan. This is separate from the uh, from the movie. It's also being planned. Uh, John Wick and the Falcon and Winter Soldier writer Derek Kolstad will pen and develop a TV series pitch based on the popular board game franchise Dungeons and Dragons. Kolstad is expected to craft a story that will capture crucial aspects of the franchise through a live-action lens. No production timeline has yet been set. So, yeah, uh, the project is separate. From the long gestating film at Paramount Pictures, Hasbro, and he won. Last month came the news that Chris Pine was in negotiations to star for Game Night Helmers, Jonathan Goldstein, and John Francis Daly to write and direct. The story of that one follows a warrior and his band of mystical creatures as they embark on a dangerous journey to find a mythical treasure. It is currently targeted for a May 2022 release. So but yeah, this is, this is separate from that movie. This is a Dungeons and Dragons TV series plan. We don't know where this is going to go. Is this going to go to Netflix? We have no idea where the fuck this is going to go. But yeah, it's going to be uh, from uh, Derek Kolstad from uh, John Wick and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's that's enough to get me excited because the movie sounds like it could take more of a comedic role, especially when you watch like Game Night and stuff like that. And it, it could go the complete opposite direction but with the guy that did the first three john wicks you know that could be that kind of tells you it could be a more gritty uh interpretation and dude like you gotta think that one of the first people there at least gonna try to shop this to is jason momoa you know like the big D D dude but yeah is, I would he, uh, is jason momoa D D? I knew what J- joe manganello's into it yeah, damn it joe manganello yeah fuck yeah joe manganello i'm sorry uh, they both start with J and M. So yeah, no, I was wrong. Um, yeah, I was and they're totally both for this. they're both in DC. One's Deathstroke and one's Aquaman. So I was kind of in the same ballpark. And they both look really handsome with their shirts off. That is not a lie. It's not, dude. Magic Mike and then fucking Jason Momoa in anything. Anything. He's always finding a reason. To take Super off fucking shirt. handsome. Super fucking handsome. Long story short, I'm into it. Like, let, let's get this TV show made. <laughs> um, I want to see a show starring Joe Manganiello and Jason Momoa called Super Fucking Handsome. So I, I think this is kind of cool. I like the idea if they're doing a Dungeons and Dragons show, if they want to actually incorporate the idea of it being some kind of a game, if they are going to kind of go that route. It kind of reminds me the the comparison in my head when I had read the, an article about this was like, are they going to do a um, a Yu Gi Oh meets like The Witcher? Like, are they going to? They're going to know that there's dungeon masters and there's roll of dices and things involved, but like maybe these people are in the game. Is it Jumanji esque in a way? So I'm interested if they take a, a take other than them just being in a realm with dragons and monsters and stuff because then I don't see how that's really uniquely Dungeons and Dragons but if you talk about game night and things like that maybe like I said it'd be cool if they could have some kind of the actual game aspect. I think the game night directors I think those guys Jonathan Francis Daly 
you know, I think those guys will do the gaming kind of stuff, you know, especially, you know, think about Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Francis Daly back on his days on Freaks and Geeks. They, the last episode of that series was the James Franco fucking D and D episode. Yes, you're right. And so I, I, yeah, so I awesome think episode. I love that. I love that fucking show. And I love that show too. Man. Dude, I was watching that show in the night. Here's the, here's, here's how much of a dork I was. I would Friday nights when that show was on, I would wait to go out until that show was over on Fridays. <laughs> so I, I was watching that show as it was airing on NBC back in the day. I fucking love that show. So, but yeah, I don't know this, I, these two are going to be completely separate. I feel like this one will be just like set in the world and the other one will be kind of like, I think the, you know, the John, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly one is going to be kind of like, I would have to guess that that one is going to be bouncing back and forth between the two worlds, the real world and the, and the actual game itself. Kind of like that South Park episode of World and World of Warcraft or some shit. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, did you guys see the news from IGN? The Mortal Kombat movie. This is a week old, but I still wanted to yep. bring it up. The Mortal Kombat movie mm-hmm. news. Oh my god, are you guys super excited for this Mortal Kombat movie? So psyched, so psyched. I love the old one. I the game, the original Mortal Kombat game, Sega Genesis and arcade. Yeah, I, I, I was a '90s baby, and that was like one of my very, very first video game memories. Oh God! The um, fact that we're bringing fatalities into the movie is just right. You know, like yeah, they kind of like you know, like there is kind of a fatality scene in the in the first movie where Johnny Cage signs his autograph after he takes care of Scorpion, but. It sounds like this is going to be like the full force R-rated fatality we have been waiting to see since this video game came out. Yeah, uh what I did find interesting about this, we got a lot of casting. Uh I'm loving the casting. Joe Taslim as uh Sub-Zero, you know, Joe Taslim from the the Raid movies. Um Hiroyuki mm-hmm. Hi- Hi- Sonata as Scorpion, great casting. Um we're getting all the characters that we love. Jax, uh, Shang Tsung, uh, Scorpion Sub-Zero, Raiden, Liu Kang, Melina, Kano, Sonya Blade, Lung Lao. But Louis Tan's playing an all-new character, Cole Young, a washed-up MMA fighter who wears a birthmark in the shape of the Mortal Kombat symbol on his chest. This mysterious... Oh. This mysterious, <laughs> this mysterious marking propels him onto a journey with Sonya Blade, who leads him to the temple of a thunderous elder god known as Lord Raiden, where he comes into contact with a group of highly skilled fighters. Quote, when we first meet Cole, he's in a really bad spot, Tan told the outlet. He's down on his luck. He's kind of washed up. He's a washed up MMA fighter who used to be a champion, he, who used to believe in himself. He used to have a lot of hope in his career, and it's all gone down the drain. It's a very interesting place for here to start, and I think that, along with the journey of Mortal Kombat and Cole discovering where he comes from, you're introduced to all these other iconic characters and elements that everybody loves so dearly. I love everything I'm hearing. It's R-rated. You're gonna get the. You're gonna get all these characters. You're gonna get the fucking uh, fatalities. All this stuff. The one character that is not in any of this is Johnny Cage. 
Mm. Is Cole replacing Johnny Cage? I hope not. Or is Johnny Cage being saved mm. for the sequel? Maybe, maybe for the sequel. But you can't have. You got to have Johnny Cage in it. I, I, it sounds like from what this is, they are really going for the hardcore aspect of it, and whether or not for not like Johnny Cage does, isn't as more hardcore as far as his skill set and his abilities as a lot of the other characters. Something else I thought was pretty dope is that they confirmed that the opening scene was going to be a Scorpion versus Sub-Zero fight. So does that, does that mean we're going to lose one of them in the first 10 minutes? This movie's going to be brutal, if so. like I don't feel like they're going to open the first fight with a draw. Like, this isn't, like, a Monday Night Raw episode with some outside interference. I'm pretty sure, like, one of the two that means is going. That's pretty sick. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. Wow. You know, but but I don't think, you know, like, if you want to talk about how, like, maybe he's being left out because so hardcore, I don't think Sonya Blade is any more hardcore than Johnny Cage. Thank you. Whole- Johnny Cage, honestly, like, when you're watching or playing the game or watching, like, the older movies, like... He fucking he he gains a harder edge in that in that world. The more that you play the character, like he he becomes, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of soft when he comes in there because he's the actor. But like he gains that harder edge when you play him, when you watch him in the other movies. And like Paul, you're right. Sonya Blade, the fucking the actor that played her in the original game, didn't want to do a fatality, so they gave her that kiss of death bullshit. Insert coin. Hell yeah. 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 That was a good fucker. Yeah, but like, and I don't know, man, just for me, like, everyone gravitated to, like, I mean, not every, I can't speak for everybody, but like, I remember I always had to pick Johnny Cage when I was at the arcade or at home. Like, he was always my go to with that, with that split punch. So I really uh, do, yeah. maybe if he's not in the first, like, hopefully he comes in at the end of the first one, but you can't. To me, you just can't have a Mortal Kombat movie series without Johnny Cage. But doesn't it sound like? Doesn't that sound a little bit like Johnny Cage's story? You know, like it an does. actor, a washed-up actor, like this guy's a washed-up MMA fighter. It, it sounds like there might be replacing Johnny Cage with Cole, and I, I'm not down with that. No, that's not good. You gotta like. I mean, I did like, and I love the guy that played Johnny Cage in the '95 movie. Are we like, gonna find out my... that fucking? Oh God, nah, this is a dumb theory. That Cole is actually fucking. You know how actors change their names when they get in, once they get into Hollywood. Sometimes, okay. is this the origin story for Johnny Cage? Like, oh, he, that'd be pretty cool that he takes a stage name. I, yeah, I, I was always a. If you're talking about the arcade game, I was a big Scorpion player. I liked the get over here. I thought that was a super awesome mechanic. Uh, also. I would love, for, even if like the sequel, I'd love them to do a cooler, the the three four arm guy was a Gordo, right? Goro, Goro, Goro. I would love to see a dope like present day twenty, you know, sequel, you know, twenty twenty four Goro. I think that'd be pretty dope. How yeah? How do you do Goro in twenty twenty one? Make him this like I want him to be this like Brock Lesnar of the Mortal Kombat world where they're like he's almost this like mythological thing where like whoever emerges and wins the tournament if there's a tournament in the first one and out and like I want that to be like a, a, a stinger of like oh shit like we woke up Goro and like Goro in the first scene of the sequel like kills one of the main guys who was super tough with like 
one arm of his four. I want to see. I think Goro was super cool as a kid. I remember I thinking that was a cool character. I think he was I pretty cool Goro. in the movie too. Like in the '95 movie, he, he looked yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, you watch like any of like the the making of that movie, and they had a lot of problems with like the the animatronics with that character. It was really hard to do that character, but I think it paid off. I think he looked fucking great, even today. Even today, you look at the special effects in that movie; they're terrible. But the fucking the real prosthetics of Goro looked really fucking good, even to this day, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I just re I just rewatched that too, and then I watched uh, I saw Enter the Dragon was on uh, Netflix. Mm. Oh, dope! Awesome. So I had to re- and it's it's so funny how Mortal Kombat from '95 is almost like a shot for shot remake of Enter the Dragon, and it still fucking works. Yeah. I don't know, man. I need I need Johnny Cage. Yeah, um, yeah. I fucking I can't wait to see Lord Raiden. I fucking I loved playing Lord Raiden. I love playing Scorpion. And, oh, Raiden's uh, fly move. Oh Fuck God, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was sick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the bicycle kick from Liu Kang. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Sub Zero and Scorpion were really powerful in that game, though. If you can master their mechanics and stuff, they were really good interrupting stuff. Not to go too deep into like fighting game mechanics, right. but they were, they were, they were a problem. Willy Wonka fucking movie. Did you hear about this Willy Wonka prequel? I got this from More Dot yeah. E Talk. Did, yeah. Willy Wonka prequel movie is happening with the 2023 release date. Um, Paddington filmmaker Paul King will direct with big names already rumored to star. Some of those big names I'm going to get into here in a second. Here's the thing. I, I've never watched the Paddington movies. Anybody who's watched those Paddington movies will tell you that both Paddington 1 and 2 are great fucking movies. They're, They're delightful. Awesome, They're they delightful. So, they are delightful. They're so good. So They're good. Delightful. What do you do though? Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, I love this director as, as far as the choice goes because of everything that I've been hearing about these Paddington movies. I think it's a great choice as far as the director. But like, how do you cast? You know, I mean, we're way past Johnny Depp. They got to do something different. The top two rumored choices for this are Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet, who. Honestly, in my opinion, I don't think I don't think either one of them are ready for this. It's a it's no. a it's a Willy Wonka no. prequel. It's a Willy Wonka prequel. I don't think anyone are either one of these guys are, are are ready to fill in the like the the fucking shoes of a of a Gene Wilder. Why would they want to? It doesn't even it doesn't seem like something that either of them need to try to like really put themselves on the line for. Like they are both young have franchises under their belts and upcoming that what I, I just don't see it. Where's this story? Yeah, like, you what? got you got Timothy Chalamet, Dune, and you got Tom Holland who's rocking two fucking franchises. Exactly. With Uncharted and Spider Man. And it's like why take on a third? Bring what would the, the story be? Bring Is it the how they from- get the Oompa Loompas? Like what do they do? <laughs> I-, I feel like you need to bring in the kid from Baby Driver. Oh, Ansel Elgort? Yeah, I think he could be a good I think he could be a good Willy Wonka or the dude that played Han Solo. I want him to de-age Donald Glover. Oh. Ooh. Spend I the like money, that. spend Take the money, that. de-age him. That's the only casting I would be excited about is Donald Glover. That's it. That is and it. it. And it's almost got to be in a like it's almost got to be a direct adaptation of the actual book. 
which is a little like I know you're going for the kids vibe, but like the book gets pretty fucking dark, and so did the movie from the seventies. But like, I think you really need to be faithful to the you know to the source. Honestly, I don't know why the fuck they're doing this. Get the you know yeah, what I mean. I but what would the prequel be? With did he have to go through some similar experience like? to get the factory right. that Charlie yeah. had to go through? Is there a a contest? And that's uh, that's the only thing in my head I thought about. I'm like, is that where he got the idea how to pass it on? Is that some tradition? Is this some ancient chocolate factory that's had a million iterations, like the Matrix, and they've and Willie passed it on to Charlie, and that's they're just going to show the iteration before. Like, I'm not trying to be glib, but like, what is the story? Yeah, probably the rivalry between him and the candy maker from the, the Slugworth. Yeah, I would be down for that. Like, uh, okay, yeah. I mean, I didn't think about that. I, mean, I feel like course. we're going to get this either way. So, is it a war movie with like the Oompa Loompas as the soldiers? Never, totally. not like since not since the Jetsons has there been a rivalry more heralded. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> no. Cogswell, Cogswell, Cogs, and Spacely Sprockets. Spacely, the Cogs and the Sprockets, exactly. I know. I mean, I just this is right up there. This is right up there with those great rivalries of old. No, and I didn't mean like that's the story like I want, but I feel like no matter like how much I don't want this movie to happen, I just feel like it's going to. So maybe delve into that kind of history or something. No, no, honestly, Paul, like. That's like the only thing that's kind of like made sense from any of this where they could go. Like, you know, that's, you know, the rivalry between him and, and, and what's it? Slugsworth? Slugsworth, yeah. 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 And then fucking or maybe like the a narc, you know, me or maybe why uh, grandpa Joe never got out of fucking bed for like 70 years. Yeah. Maybe what happened to his legs. Yeah. He could be like a tragic figure and then uh sure. bringing in the the oompa loompas to a life of slavery of making chocolate you know <laughs> that's what i'm saying is the chocolate wars could be like save it private private ryan with the oompa loompas as the soldiers why can't we get a fucking movie of the oompa loompas being slaves to this fucking man who demands them making these fucking treats for these little white kids <laughs> to, to be fair bro to be fair we do have like how X amount of Minions movies? Why hasn't there been a, a Oompa Loompa franchise? Why did not one black kid fucking get one of those golden tickets? I got a golden... That's a good point. Oh, we are waking up. We are officially woke on this podcast. We are here now. That's or it's like Willy... Or it's like Willy Wonka and the origin of the everlasting gobstopper. It's just him fucking trying to make this new candy. For two hours, that's it. Oh my god, I want to see. I, I don't know. Fuck this movie. I don't want to see it. It sounds like I, no. I don't uh, want to see it. But but guess what, guys? I want to put this out there, just a little little solace. It will not be worse than Brothers by Blood. Oh, that's true. That's one hundred percent true. S- There's silver lining. Oh man. All right. What do we got here? I don't know. Do you guys want to hear the bullshit Marvel news I got? I, I got bullshit Marvel news. Yeah, that's the best kind of news. All right, here I'll play the fucking bumper. It's a it's an episode where we actually play bumpers. Hold on.
Marvel news. Uh, Justin sent us an email. Justin, he also goes by nerdy underscore JT. Hi, Brian. I was listening to the latest episode, and in Marvel News, you were talking about Deadpool 3 happening on our rating and discussing how Disney would handle the release once Deadpool is part of the MCU. Do you think Disney would ever release two versions of the film theatrically, R and PG? They were able to create the P. Oh, he's talking about PG 13 because it he's they were able to create the PG 13 version at Fox after the theatrical release, and it could even be easier if they planned on two versions from the start. This way, parents could bring their kids to the PG version, PG 13 version, and the adults could enjoy the R version of the film. Would love to hear your thoughts on this idea. And that comes from Justin. What do you think, Paul? I feel like that would be hell on the movie theaters. But I, I get the, like, I think, you know, if Disney can find a way to maximize any profits, you know, like, they're definitely going to miss out on the on the young kid market. So, I mean, I guess I, I wouldn't pull it off the table for them to, to at least attempt that for Deadpool 3. Well, possibly. this is kind of they, – they kind of did this with the uh, – what was it? The Deadpool, the Christmas one? What they fuck – Once Upon a Deadpool or whatever the fuck they called it? Yeah, but like how long ago – like, I mean, how much time was between the original release of the R-rated movie and that Once Upon a Deadpool? Was uh, it like six months? Six months. I would say six months, yeah, because it came out like close to Christmas, right? Yeah, yeah. So they could totally do it that way with, uh, you know, wait, wait, wait a couple months or, you know, just hit on the fact that, hey, like we've been promoting the shit out of this Deadpool movie. Why don't we just put the PG-13 movie out around the same time, maybe a week, maybe a week apart in between? What do you what do you think about this, Billy? Are you are you saying, yeah, this could happen? Or are you just saying, fuck, no, they ain't doing that. You're getting R and that's it. No, well. I think that is probably the most logical or probably the most likely. However, if you want to go for the the maximum box office opportunity, I think the idea is there hypothetically with the the how we have the model now of home release and theatrical. Is it possible that they release the PG-13 only digitally or only in the theaters, whatever is going to be the best for them and have one of the versions as a digital only later, or maybe after a month of it being a theatrical release, there is a PG 13 that is released theatrically or theatrically slash digitally. But the original release is the R version. The original cut of this movie, I think will be the R version, but I think that like you guys said that what's upon a deadpool is if it was a friend savage yeah 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 so i mean i think they already have shown that like they want to get the maximum exposure so i think i i don't know off the top of my head what would be the best combination of that but i think a combination of a initial release only with an r version combined with a digital release slash maybe then uh uh yeah, uh, delayed PG thirteen release in theaters probably is a shrewd strategy, and I, it's actually interesting. I never thought about that till then, which surprising because I knew about that version. So I I think it's definitely up the possibility. I think it it is a appeasing both crowds where 
parents are like, we're not, why, certain parents are like, why should I have to subject my kids, you know, subjecting quotes or have to expose them to a full rated R, especially, you know, Deadpool is a pretty hard R. So if there is a compromise where it doesn't uh, compromise it for people our age, us old cranky people that want to get our fucks and titties and all the bullshit out there, then... I think why isn't it possible to serve both audiences? I say fuck that shit because when I went to Walmart, I didn't buy CDs there because I wanted to fucking hear what NWA had to say without fucking Walmart fucking taking all the fucking curse words out and shit. And fuck. It's because, listen, bro. Fuck that. You watch, you watch, you watch Soul. Okay. And now you've been sad since. I get it. We all know. And you watch Tenant, and you're fucking pompous in your opinion. But here's the <laughs> How are you trying to flip the script on me? The pe- people that are like begging that it's the best of all time, I think you are more in the line of like being pompous, not me, of being like the fear for the common man. All right, I'm, not, I'm a brother by blood. I'm not trying to flip a fucking Deadpool conversation into You're Brian's hate strip. for soul. You're trying to flip the That's strip. Trying to, yeah, I'm gonna flip you off this episode about fucking. Fight. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm dude. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I, no, here's the, like I, you know, me, this is just me personally thinking. Like I didn't like I didn't like the Once Upon a Deadpool when I saw it. I. And I honestly, here's the thing. I think you're a 12 year old kid. I know me at 12. If I would have been, if my parents would have been like, oh, let's go see the PG 13 version. It's just going to make me want to see the R rated version that much more. Obviously. So, and same thing with like fucking buying a CD at Walmart and fucking have it all bleeped out and shit. It's like, no, I want the fucking, I want that. I want that fucking parental advisory fucking label. Brian, Paul, we went to Sam Goody. We got that. We got that explicit version. Yeah. Uh, Camelot music. Thank you very much. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Nice. I don't think we had them here in, in, in Philadelphia. Camelot music. We had Sam Goody and uh, coconuts. <laughs> we had, oh, I had a coconut. I bought my first. So my first album I ever bought was an Outcast album. I was like seven years old from a coconut. I bought I bought uh, Chasing Amy at a Coconuts on VHS. <laughs> Speaking of Chasing Amy, Kevin Smith said we were talking about Wand. Where we will see. I'm I'm literally breaking the fourth wall when we talk about Wandavision. Yeah. First time guest, and I'm even like breaking. I don't the give a fuck, wall. guys. We record when you listen to Wandavision. It's the first thing we fucking recorded. There you go. We fucking recorded it earlier in the night. But uh, Kevin Smith said we we were complimenting uh, Elizabeth Olsen's performance. And he said that he watched – this was today. He said – he tweeted out that he watched the scene, the uh, Pietro Ultron – Monica Rambo revelation scene. He said he watched that over and over for an hour. He's like, get this woman an Emmy. That's he said it's in his top five MCU scenes of all time. Ah, he's what's he smoking? Oh, we know he was going. Yeah, he's going. I know. I agree, but I'm saying he was going in on that scene. So 
we're not the only ones that agree that her performance has been great. She's really good. She's really good. And like, even like her di- like, like her tone, dialect, the way she sounds, she sounds like, she sounds like the classic actors of old that were doing like these, these sitcoms. It's, I'm blown away by her. She's really good. Was I, was I the only fucked up person that thought that when they were like, oh my God, Wanda's having twins that the Olsen twins were going to get birthed? Oh my God. Those little, yeah. Those little fucking Olsen twin babies. <laughs> That'd be incredible. <laughs> <That'd> be awesome. <laughs> Whatever happened to predictability? Yeah, they had those. Listen, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, as a '90s baby again, they had a million like straight to cassette movies oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Those things were like. Those were staples that I had a lot of like. They were super talented like, babies. They were really. Oh my god! They yeah. were really like, super exploited children. They were great. You got it, dude. Like we were all doing it, man. <laughs> yeah. They were fucking super talented. Like they and like they didn't know that these little girls would fucking be able to fucking act and shit. They they didn't do like the classic sitcom thing where they swapped out the babies. They kept these fucking girls in there. These girls have been, they've been like, uh, they've been under a camera their entire life. They've been through a lens their entire fucking life. It's insane. Cause like, you watch old Growing Pains episodes when Chrissy was born. Like they fucking, the next season, after she's born, they fucking time jump and they get like a older girl in there who's like four years old and shit. Same thing with fucking, uh, Family Ties. When that little mm-hmm. kid's born. You know, like they fucking do a time jump and then, uh, that kid's like, you know, four, five years old or whatever the fuck they just they said fuck it we're gonna keep these little girls in there and those girls they, they fucking they're billionaires jesus christ it's insane yeah they are yeah i don't know i i uh we'll see i i think that if anything if 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 disney would learn anything about what fox did with making deadpool pg-13 is I think that you get a less superior product. And I think if, if, if I was Disney, I would not want to give the fans a watered down PG 13 version of a movie. Cause it just didn't work for me. I, and I, Neil was on that episode and I don't think Neil was a fan of it as much as he was, of course, Deadpool two. And I just, I just, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need a PG-13 version of Deadpool going forward. And I know it's Disney taking over. I think I would hope that they would learn from Once Upon a Deadpool. I don't even think it did, like, that great in the box office when it was released. No. No, not do. I haven't even seen the PG-13 version. Yeah, I don't. I didn't want to taint the R-rated one. Yeah, yeah. When they use the word taint in that movie, they used it the way that you used it, not in the way that the R-rated one would use taint. Which is the part in between the dick and the butthole on a body. Oh, I've always called it the gooch. Oh, the gooch! Yeah, that's a a good one. Uh, Joe Vitale of the Vintage Geeks podcast said this on Discord about the Deadpool conversation we had last week. I love Jake's idea that Deadpool does a guard that pussy reference in his next movie. I could see it where he's pointing at a woman, but he's actually referring to an actual cat in the background. So guard, like a guard, an actual cat or something. That's kind of funny, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I like that. I do. I think that that's clever. Uh, She-Hulk news here. Um, this comes from Dark Horizons. Ginger Gonzaga 
from Kidding. Did did either of you watch Kidding, the Jim Carrey show on Showtime? Yes. I, I didn't watch the second season, Paul, after I found out it had been canceled, but I watched the first season and I loved it. That's the same reason why I, I did not watch season two. And I remember being so on the fence after the first episode, but then when the second episode started with those guys like stealing a car yeah, and then realizing they stole his car. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was and great. They put, which is a true story of something that actually happened to Fred Rogers, which is really fucking cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They found Daniel, the tiger in the trunk of his car and put the whole thing back together. <laughs> wow, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah. That like they did say, cause someone's like, you know, like how much of this is based on Mr. Rogers and the creator said, well, the one thing we took directly from his life was when his car got stolen and oh, then they wow. saw like King Friday and Daniel Tiger in the back. Oh, wow. Oh my God. That's, that's awesome. Oh my God. Cool. Yeah. Ginger Gonzaga is set to co-star opposite Tatiana, Masla- uh, Tatiana Maslany in Marvel She-Hulk legal comedy series at Disney plus service. Uh, Kat Coiro and, uh, and, uh, Anu Vala- uh, Valia will helm the episode. So yeah, um, do you remember that first season of Kidding, the, when he started dating the girl that was, uh, going through chemotherapy? Yes, yes. That's Ginger <laughs> Gonzaga. She's gonna be playing, um, uh, Tatiana Maslany's best friend, um, Ooh, Jennifer like Walters that. in the series. Yeah, I like it too. I like it too. She was so good in that show, and the way like it ends with her was pretty fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, oh man, yeah, that's that's good casting. Hmm. Trying. To, oh, Roger Wardell on Twitter is. Um, he's got one. One Marvel rumor here, that he's saying Marvel desperately wants. Nicholas Cage back as the Ghost Rider in Doctor Strange 2, but hasn't reached a deal yet. Introduction of the Captain Britain Corps is also very likely at this point. Names being thrown around include those of Charlie Hunnam, Henry Cavill, and Haley Atwell. So, I don't know. I, it's not like they're wanting to cast Nicholas Cage as Ghost Rider going forward, but, you know, in the multiverse of madness, anybody could show up, right? So, why not Nick Cage's Ghost Rider? I don't know. I don't know about this rumor. Sounds crazy to me. Yeah, I I mean, I guess maybe they're trying to pick up steam from everything that's happening with Spider-Man 3, but this just doesn't. And have have him and Sam Raimi ever worked together? Would that be a reason why? Or Yeah, I don't think they have. Yeah, I can't. I don't think so either. Are you guys looking forward to uh, Willy's Wonderland? Yes. That looks awesome. I can't wait. That comes out soon, right? February? Right? February 12th, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. Just beating the shit out of the animatronic animals. I'm all in. <laughs> Deadline reported that... This is the last story. Deadline reported that Matt Damon landed in Sydney for Thor Love and Thunder filming. Is he playing the same character that he played in Ragnarok, that actor? Or do they have something different for him? What's going on with this? I guesses i have no idea i don't either. I can't try to get into taika watiti's head at all 
What do you think? I mean, is the, is the actor, like the guy that was the actor from old Asgard in new Asgard, it, they, they're making a big thing about him being there. I, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if he's going to play some real major character, but I think he might be there for a couple of shots and be yeah. funny and be some comedic relief that is like the actor guy. That, that's all I'm really That's thinking. all I'm thinking too. It's going to be like he's going to be like we saw like, you know, all the Asgardians that survived. We didn't see them all, but we saw that they're on that ship, right, at the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. And so yep. I think Matt Damon's probably just one of them. He's going to show up in a funny little cameo, right? That's it. Maybe even like a Korg and stuff, like a sustained, like maybe like two or three scenes that he films within like two, three weeks being down there and enjoying his time in Australia and get some really funny scenes. That's, you know, I think that'd be great. Yeah. I I don't, you know what? Matt Damon casting or not, I cannot wait for Thor Love and Thunder. I cannot wait for this fucking, I can't wait for Marvel movies to just come back. What are the, like, what's happening here? Is, is Black Widow gonna get pushed again? They have, they they got, honestly, for this movie, and I'm not gonna downplay Black Widow, but, they need to do something for, for, they need to make it, even if they, like they did with Mulan, make it a, a Disney plus premium release. Just get us something, a, a Marvel quality movie. We've all had, we're gonna have WandaVision, we're going to have, uh, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, we'll see Loki. And the argument I'm making is almost like what their counter argument would be to me saying like, well, we're giving you this content, why shouldn't this be pushed until it can be in theaters? But, I would just love to see this movie. It's just like James Bond. It's getting pushed so many times that I honestly think that by the time it comes out theatrically, the fact that we've seen other Marvel properties on Disney Plus is going to devalue people's incentive to go into the movie theater knowing that the on-demand and digital releases are probably going to come faster in the future and going forward. Can they release this movie after the Falcon and Winter Soldier? Like, I don't know. Like, does that... I mean, we don't know what Black Widow ties into, right? I mean, it feels like you would need to see... I, If I had to guess, I would think, like, it does tie in somehow. I feel like Black Widow's gotta have some, like, repercussions going forward, especially when we get, like, a you know, mid-credits or post-credits scene. I feel like it has to have some kind of, like, ripples in the MCU going forward. Yeah. Uh, well, Brian, you, I mean, you mentioned aim. A lot of people think there's some kind of aim connectivity. There's yeah. some thunderbolt connectivity. There's yeah. a lot of things that I think are going to directly refer to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I, like, I rep- like my argument I was having back and forth on our latest episode, the other guys who aren't big WandaVision fans. And I think it's basically because, like, this is the first thing they're getting. Yeah, I know Spider Man came after. Endgame, but for all intents and purposes, Endgame is the most impactful, most recent Marvel release we had. And I had to remind them, like, guys, look, this was not supposed to be the first thing. We were supposed to have Black Widow. We were supposed to have Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Things that were going to be very direct, tangible results on the current MCU timeline that are going to get people getting going and seeing what the world's like post-Endgame, besides just Spider-Man who had his Mysterio thing, but... Getting WandaVision gets you this existential, and if you're not a sitcom fan like someone like Brian is, myself is, I I don't know Paul's personal thing on like old sitcoms, but we're both fans of. So I I think that 
makes a big tangible difference in the reaction that people are having on all these properties and their overall feeling on how the MCU is being kickstarted in their in their viewpoint. I yeah, if you're watching WandaVision through the lens of I don't give a fuck about any of these sitcoms and how faithful it is to like some of these sitcoms from those time periods and then also, you know, not picking up on these Easter eggs and these clues or just don't give a fuck. I get why you don't like it, but it's not going to fucking detract me anymore. I'm all in, and I can't wait, and I love it. But what do you think, Paul? What do you think? Release Black Widow on Disney Plus, or do you think Marvel pushes it and waits for that theatrical viewing? Man, uh, the fact that they really haven't budged um, at all. You know, they're willing to bring out Mulan, which yeah isn't as big as a fan base as as Black Widow or anything like that. But now, I mean, just like the other day, we got so many other movies. You know, James Bond got pushed back for the third time again. A Quiet Place too. Yeah, like, so I don't know, man. I feel like Marvel has a lot of faith in this movie that it's going to be like, I, like, I think they want to come back with a bang. I think they want this to be seen in theaters, I think this is the movie that they want to kind of restart the theater experience when it comes so, to the MCU. Is that like a vote of confidence in this film? Is that more of they feel an obligation to Scarlett Johansson because they always promised her the feature? I mean, there's also internals that's in the can. Shang-Chi is done. So does that mean that's the best of this? That more of me reeks almost like an obligation they feel to Scarlett Johansson. And I'm not trying to be like patronizing in any way, but like I, I don't see how a film that occurs in between the events of Infinity War and Endgame, and we oh, there's been a lot of information out there, and I think Taskmaster will be cool, and there'll be some Easter eggs. We talked about Thunderbolt Ross and some of that kind of stuff, but like, what is so important about this film that they won't just kind of bite the bullet and let it release unless there is, like I said, some kind of agreement with Scarlett Johansson or something else? I mean, what do you guys think? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I definitely see that point, but I think, you know, Disney is very methodical in seeing how they can get their best book. And I think even if they kind of made some kind of agreement with Scarlett Johansson, if they felt they could really make a huge profit, during like you know like having having a, a Disney Plus exclusive release that definitely probably could have already happened, but I think they have, I think they have a lot of confidence that this is going to come back in the theaters and just really kind of restart people wanting to come back and and watch movies like these on the big screen. Yeah, I just don't know. Is May is May the target release date of May? Is it going to? Ha- I mean, like. I think it's going to be pushed back to fall. I mean, wasn't May the release date last year? Yes, yeah. the original yeah. was. It was May for Black Widow, November for Eternals. How how fucking long are we going to have to wait for this fucking movie? Yeah, well, listen, that's what the only thing is. It's not even a political thing, but, like, you went and saw Monster Hunter in the theater. You know, like, it, at some point, like, give people an option. Yeah, but th- there's also, there's also you can also watch Monster you can watch Monster Hunter at home too. Like, well, no, you're. Right. I, I didn't know about that Fandango no, Now deal. Yeah, forgot about that. No, I was, I was, I was defending you, Brian. I was basically saying, like, why does Brian have to get depressed about life and death by soul on Christmas Day, but he can't see goddamn Black Widow? Yeah, pay thirty bucks for it. Yeah, that's all. You know. Yeah, 
Yeah, why can't uh, why on Christmas Day did I have to fucking think about dying Mortality. with soul and then also think about wanting to die again after Wonder Woman 1984? Like why, you know what I mean? Like why? No, I'm kidding, guys. Um, right, uh, right. Basically depend on how you did your cut with your Christmas story 24-day marathon. You could have seen Ralphie get denied for his Red Rider BB gun, getting a C+, getting kicked down the Santa slide and then immediately transitioned into Soul or Wonder Woman like that's fucked up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to see Black Widow, and I'm almost to the point where I think that Disney might. Who knows? Who knows? I don't. I just don't see like an end of this, even in 2021. Until like, I don't know. I don't see when. When does this end? When? When do people start feeling comfortable going back to the theaters? I don't. Yeah, it, I, I just I can't see. A, we're just so it's like so ingrained now into like us to just like even if you go to the theater, you're wearing a mask and like you've got, you know, your the theaters are full at thirty to forty percent capacity and you don't have anybody sitting next to you. I just don't. How can how can Marvel release Black Widow under these conditions in May? I don't think they can, and like. It then it becomes that 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 thing where it's like, do we push it again, or do we do a dual theater slash Disney Plus release with 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 Black Widow? I I want to see it in the theater. I want to see it in the theater, and given the chance, I will see it in the theater over seeing it at home. I think it deserves that. Um. But uh I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I I'm 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 I waffle on this all the time as to whether Disney is going to release it on their streaming service or if they're gonna hold tight and, and fucking wait to have it released in the theaters. I just don't know when is the end of this? When 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 are I mean you're not gonna get like first off, you you're not gonna of course, it's not going to get end game numbers, but like, you can't you can't even pack a theater right now. Mm-hmm. It's the balance, that, and only Feige and I'm sure the Marvel executives know there is some kind of fulcrum at some point where these they're able, obviously, to produce these shows and certain films have been able to go, but. As far as the timeline, we know there are things that are sequential, so there are only a certain amount of films, I'm sure, in the can or ready to go that like half that, that can be gone out of order. Right, and I'm sure that number is only a couple at this point. So they are so gung. I mean, they every it's, there's like five to six of the series of active development, pre-production, almost shooting. So. A lot of these are going to pop out. It makes me feel like, like again, like I mentioned, Feige said in an interview, a lot of these are beginning. So it's it's like, is everything now, I don't want it to be the case in like a no shit bill, but is a lot of this stuff really based off the financial investments they had in these movie productions, but a lot of them are in the can and a lot of these these shows are going forward and are filming and getting ready and getting renewed for second seasons and so I, like what happens like, what happens so it gets pushed and then then the, do they put do they put black widow in the shang chi spot and then the shang chi gets pushed to the eternal spot do they do that or i mean that 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 
that's basically what they've been doing. Like we're not going to, it feels like we're not going to get Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness until 2023, at least. I agree. I, I hate to say that, but I agree. Well, everything's getting pushed the way it is. The only things I think that are going to hold relatively firm, I think Spider-Man and that's because, only because of the cross studio. Yeah, it's Sony. Uh, Shang-Chi may, for intents and purposes, we've seen it seems like it's relatively independent. Outside of that, Brian, I, th- I agree, man. I think we're going to get a lot more pushes. Uh, I think we're going to hear Eternal soon. I think we're going to hear. Black we haven't Vision. even gotten an Eternal, and I understand. Here's the thing: we haven't gotten an Eternals uh, uh, trailer, and I feel it's. Because they know it's not going to release on the target date. Yeah, and wasn't Doctor Strange uh, two like supposed to come out not too long after the end of WandaVision because it ties in together? Yeah, we were supposed to get. I th- we were supposed to get Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I think this year. Yeah, in November of this year or something. Yeah, and now because I remember so much weight being said that. Doctor Strange 2 is going to tie in directly to events from WandaVision. So oh, it it's is. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, are we already going to be forgetting about WandaVision? Like, is WandaVision already going to be way back in our memories when Doctor Strange Part 2 comes out now? Original release date for Doctor Strange 2 uh, in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, it was originally set for May 7th of 2021, which is going to be, I mean, I think the Black Widow. Right. Yeah, I mean, wow. like, so we were, we last year, guys, a year ago, we already should have seen Black Widow had it not been for COVID-19. We already would have seen Black Widow and, and then it got pushed back to November 20, uh, November 5th of 2021, Doctor Strange 2. And now it's like, we've got, you know, we've got rumors from, um, who was it? One of the stars of Doctor Strange 2 basically saying like, you know, they, they weren't able to start production and they think it might get pushed back again. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's set right now for March 20, March 25th of 2022. What's the last March movie that released from the MCU? That was Captain Marvel. That was May. I thought May 5th. I thought Captain Marvel was in March. No, it was March because I took Hazel. Was it March? Yeah, it was March. I March fourth of twenty nineteen. I took March the fifth. Yeah, Billy, you come to fucking PCL, you get schooled, son. Jake, you come to the kitchen. Yeah, literally. I, I took my daughter to see it on her March birthday. That's that's why I know. There you so go. Well. There you go. Yeah, March fourth of twenty nineteen was when. Yeah, I, it's like you don't think of Marvel movies coming out in March. It's weird. Oh my God. I, I guess they got to come out sometime when you got three fucking movies releasing. We haven't had a Marvel movie release though, since uh fucking Spider-Man far from home. Aren't you no. just glad this didn't happen? Like a couple months before Endgame was supposed to come out. Oh dude. I have thought about that so many times. Like, can you imagine if like this happened a year earlier and we had Jesus. to wait for the release of Avengers Endgame. Like, can you imagine, like, that anticipation and, like, the fever from fans of, like, wanting to conclude this story and not being able to get it? Because there's no way they're releasing Endgame on Disney+. Plus. No, no, and they would have to have been so quiet about everything else that they were working on because it could have given away anything to Endgame. Absolutely, yeah. 
Feige actually had brought that up in a recent interview. He said, honestly, if, if any silver lining, it was the timing of the pandemic. We got Endgame out. It would be a much worse for us if this had happened right prior to Endgame. Yeah. And, 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 and like, I think you also, like you said, Brian, like, it's a great point you brought up. But like, even to expand on that, you have to realize at this point, we were supposed to have Eternals. We were supposed to have Falcon and Winter. So we're supposed to have so many dude, things. We don't, even, we don't even have an Eternals trailer, dude. We were supposed to have seen that movie. We were supposed to have seen Black Widow. We were supposed to have seen two WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. We'd probably be very close to Loki. Morbius got pushed to 2022. Even some of these Sony pictures we would have seen. The Venom, uh, Venom yeah. we would have seen yeah. already. There would have been so many even stingers and post-credit and mid-credit scenes. So much more speculation confirmed things that we could be talking about. It's so crazy. Eternals has like, been pissed out, uh, has been pushed pissed out pushed out, pissed out. <laughs> eternals has been pissed out um it was it's been pushed out a year it was supposed to originally release on november 6th of last year it was then shifted to february 12th of this year and now it's coming out november, november 5th of this it year probably won't because they're gonna push black widow i mean probably and yeah that means that'll get kicked in the 2022, and they just moved Morbius to uh, January or February. Choice. So again, these all. These I would not be surprised if Black Widow takes over this fucking November 5th, 2021 release date. Yeah, yeah and I then what like is that? that? And then what does that mean? Does that mean we're seeing what March for Eternals? Like that's crazy, man. I said I think the only thing that's going to stay put is Spider Man. Like people will like go pack a theater for Spider Man. It's like Batman. It's like the only thing like you can like it's almost like not pandemic proof but like they'll even people But doesn't pay, but doesn't Spider-Man have to come out is it would it have to come out before or after Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness cuz like we know Doctor Strange is showing up in that movie right before I think they said that the trilogy basically is WandaVision Spider-Man Multiverse of Madness once we get through Multiverse of Madness I think it is like the rule book will be set. Everything is established, multiverse, mm. everything. But I think he is the one. That's why I, because of we, we kind of have like cheat code. We knew we had him showing up in Spider-Man. That's why I'm kind of inclined to think that he's going to pop up in WandaVision. Sure. And I think yeah. we're going to find out that he thinks, remember, he's so intrinsically attached to those infinity stones. He had the time stone. It's gone. So it's the Agatamoto, like, so I I think he's going to know before a lot of people that like, you know, a lot of things are uncorked. A lot of genius are out of the bottle that we didn't realize these stones were keeping in the place. I don't Mm -hmm. don't want to dive too much into that, but that's kind of where my thoughts come from. Well, in the comic books, there are physical manifestations of these stones, Mm -hmm. you know, so we'll, I don't know. Are we going to get into that kind of shit going forward? So I don't know. We'll that's, see. That's well, cool. who knows? I mean, we got Eternals. Well, we're eternally waiting for that fucking movie to come out. <laughs> I haven't even seen. We haven't even seen a fucking trailer for it, man. It's ridiculous. It's in the can. It's in the can. It's done. Dude, I remember fucking buying like Dr Pepper or Doritos or some shit with Wonder Woman on it, like fucking a year ago and shit for Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. It's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> it's so silly. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. All right, guys, I think uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about WandaVision. The way your dad looked at it, pop culture leftovers was your birthright. 
He'd be damned if any other podcasters were going to get their greasy hands on his boy's birthright. So he hid it in the one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years he wore this podcast up his ass. Then when he died of dysentery, he gave me the podcast. I hid this uncomfortable piece of audio up my ass for two years. Then, after seven years, I was sent home to my family. And now, little man... I give the podcast to you. Right, this is the part of the show where we're going to be talking about WandaVision. Episode 3 came out, and it was titled Now in Color. And uh, last week, I wanted to point out that, uh, you know, uh, we didn't have a WandaVision bumper. And then Jake awkwardly waited for the Marvel bumper. And so this week, gentlemen, I have a WandaVision bumper. Wanda Vision. Wanda Vision. Wanda Vision. All right, Wanda Vision bumper. That was amazing. <laughs> this is the time where the people deserve the video podcast to see the dancing I was just doing. Oh, man. See, that's, that's one thing I'm going to have to do eventually. I'm building up to it, maybe doing like uh, a video podcast. See, it's one of those things where it's like the audio thing. If I even if I did it in video right now, um, somebody would like we'd be on it. We'd be we'd be doing it. And then somebody would point something out and like, you know that you would see and like our audience wouldn't be able to see it. So until you guys are doing the video over there at, uh, scene invaders. Yeah. I've, um, I've kind of ventured us out. We have a few different series, but I've kind of really been working on like the editing and stuff. And we don't go too crazy with the bachelor stuff and the reality we've gone up to about an hour, but I mean, we're, I'm just doing kind of quick overlays, photo inserts, nothing too crazy and yeah. overproduced. But um, it's been good. You have to, have to learn. You have to learn to stare at the camera, and I have to remember to blink because I have to try to keep my nickname down to a minimum. And uh, but it, yeah, it is. It's definitely a, a different ball game than being kind of a little bit shielded behind the camera being off. But obviously, for the podcast stuff, I think if you're just focusing on the audio, that's probably more key than worrying about the camera that's at the what, same time. That's what I do. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. And plus, I'd be worried about, like, you know, what if I have a booger on my face or some shit? And it's like, fuck that. I'm not. No, I can't get sidetracked with that kind of shit. Uh, let's see here. Uh, WandaVision, last week we talked about the first two episodes. I did get some WandaVision emails, and I do want to follow up on some things that we talked about last week. So there will be spoilers here for WandaVision. Here's your spoiler warning. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. All right. We got an email here, and it's from Cole Brownicker, 
and goes on to say, hey, Leftovers, I've been listening every week for a few years now, and I am finally deciding to write in. I first wanted to say that I, too, am a central Illinoisan, so I find it pretty cool when the podcast I listen to most frequently brings up spots that I'm familiar with. Something I noticed when I was watching the first couple episodes of WandaVision that I haven't seen touched up anywhere, in both commercials, there seems to be a satanic salute in the first commercial with the toaster, the man is talking with one hand over a closed fist with all five fingers extended. Then he holds his pinky and ring finger so that there are only two fingers extended. In the Strucker commercial, the lady strokes the lapel of the man's tuxedo and the camera zooms in on her doing so with the same two fingers extended. I found it odd that the camera would zoom in on that. So I started to do some research and found that two fingers extended is often used as a satanic salute as shown in the picture in this article. Sent me an article here from BBC.com uh, News and it's at satanic, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll link the article in the show notes if I can remember. Uh, it's the uh, satanic statue that was unveiled at that, um, it's like that Satan temple, satanic uh, temple. Goes on to say, could, could be a mere coincidence or could be a hidden detail furthering the Mephisto theory that have no, uh, that few have noticed. Anyways, Simo ran kind of long, so I'd like to finish by saying that I agree, greatly appreciate the weekly content. And that comes from uh, Cole Brownicker. I actually had seen the comparison of that as well. You just did a better job of explaining it than I did. So I wanted to read your email. And uh, yeah, I definitely 100% think that uh, this show is setting up Mephisto as a villain, not only in this show, but probably in Loki as well, um, and a bigger villain in the MCU altogether. And here's the thing is, you know, we talked about the leaked Funko Pops, and it wasn't Quicksilver. We find out that it's Wiccan and Speed, which are the children of uh, Wanda and Vision, and, I mean, I don't know if the Funko Pops are legit, but I do think that Wiccan and Speed could definitely show up in this series, their children. I think by the time we get to the 90s, that could be, you know, Evan Peters, who was Quicksilver in the, in the excuse me, in the Fox universe, could be Speed in this universe. And, you know, in the comic books, you find out that Mephisto, you know, a part of Wiccan and Speed are from Mephisto because Vision's not human. He's Android. And um, so, I mean, I don't know if that's the route they're going here, but um, it sure feels like it's pointing <laughs> towards that. Do you guys have any, have you guys seen this theory or have you guys um, kind of like, are you buying into this theory? I'm buying into it. I, I haven't seen it, but I think it all totally makes sense. And, and you know, when it's laid out in that email and, how you just explained it. I think anything is literally on the table with this show right now. No, I definitely buy in as well. I did see the article you were referring to. Um, I agree as well. I think it'll be involved with Loki. They did show some of the screenshots of some of the other articles have shown with the stained glass, having the devil iconography. And yeah. I think it is alluding to the fact that he may even have something to do with Kang. Yeah, maybe he is a you know devil on the shoulder and kind of, push some things into effect with him as well. So um, I definitely agree. I feel like, you know, I feel like if you make a deal with Mephisto that maybe there's like repercussions and maybe like, you know, like the rumor that Roger Wardell had started that, you know, 
Um, Jonathan Majors is going to be Immortus in the Loki series. Jonathan uh, Immortus of the Time Variance Authority. Maybe it is an alternate version of him, or maybe he works out a deal with Mephisto, and like that's the price you pay. He becomes Kang. I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. Got another email. Ryan Jennings sent in the email that we read on the last podcast that sent the the leaked Funko Pop. Um, Jake said that it wasn't um, Quicksilver, but it was Speed and Wiccan. And so Ryan Jennings, I sent him the pictures of Wiccan and Speed, and it all lines up. And he responded, very cool. So I wonder if it will even be even Peters and if he will play Speed in this. I think he's I, – I, this is me chiming in. I think he's right. I think it's going to be Evan Peters playing Speed. And then the email goes on to say, also found this too. That vase on the table with the V, well, it's on its side and it's actually a W. Looked up Wizard and he has the same wings on his head. My crazy theory is that Wizard – is her father in the MCU or that at least who she thinks is her father and that it is actually his urn. So that's not a vase. He's saying it's an urn and it's got the ashes of her father wizard in it. Uh, would make for a good story if he actually had powers and Wanda and Pietro had a dormant mutant gene and the mind stone amplified it. Then have Wanda go crazy, unleash the power of the mind stone, opening up that gene and other mutants on earth. And this is a theory that I've had, that Wanda's going to be the one who creates the mutants. This is going to be kind of like a reverse House of M, where it's instead of no more mutants, basically she's the one that creates the mutants. I think that this is going to ha- – I'm doubling down on this theory, and I, I'm also going to point this out. I think that the reason that we haven't seen mutants is, in some, is something else we're going to see in this. Did you guys – right before we started recording, did you get my like my picture that I sent you of the hexagons? Yes. I sent it to you on Twitter. Go check it out if you have a moment. Um, it's basically before this new episode starts. And you can watch the previous two episodes. There's a ton of hexagon imagery in all these episodes. The beekeeper, the beekeeper showing up and stuff like that. People have talked about the honeycombs being hexagons, you know, and, and, and all the different hexagons in episodes one and two, I wish I could point them all out. But in this, at the beginning of the episode, you see uh, the WandaVision intro. And at the end of the intro, you've got hexagons with different characters in them. And uh, if you look at the symbol for AIM, it's a hexagon. And AIM, basically Hydra... Turn, that's what they turn into. It's kind of like what they evolve into. They can't stay Hydra, so they turn into AIM. And I think that maybe we're going to find out in this series that AIM is the one, they're the ones that possibly could have been suppressing the mutant gene all these years somehow. We might, we might also find out that, and, and think about this. We know that, that, that it was, uh, Baron Von Strucker, who was doing the uh, experiments on experiments on Wando and Pietro with the with the Mind Stone from Age of Ultron, I do think that Hydra has become AIM. I think all the hexagons are pointing towards AIM, and that AIM might be responsible for suppressing the mutant gene, and Wanda is going to be the one that unlocks it. I 
I, I really think I see this happening. I do find this, I do think that we will find out that one mutant has kind of like stood the test of time before they could do all this shit. And I think Wolverine's been around since the 1800s. He's been around. He just hasn't, he hasn't made his presence known in the MCU. And we'll find out who our new Wolverine is years from now. But what do you guys think about this theory? Is it too much? No, no. I, again, like, and my knowledge with like the history of Wanda and the vision character is very limited. So I can't really go out on a limb and be like, Oh, I disagree with you. That, like, I disagree with you on this because, or I agree with you with this because, but it just seems like this is a show where anything and everything could literally be possible. So it sounds like it could definitely be able to work its way into the show. What if I gave you a theory that I think that the big bad villains of this show are the Teletubbies, Paul? You I buying would that? go with it. Tinky Winky is a devious <laughs> son of a bitch. I would go with it so hard. Any, any, anything I say, pretty much, right, Paul? Yep, yep. I'm like the fucking, uh, I'm like the voice. I'm hitting that button to turn around and give you the thumbs up like, yep, I'm All going right. with it. What, what are you thinking, Billy? Am I, am I, am I crazy for this theory? No, I don't think you're crazy. I think you're doing a very like Feige-esque thinking. Everything is connected. Hydra is such a big thing in the Marvel universe. And the just, you know, obviously we probably are going to see a ton of Red Skull, at least not until maybe we see like a battle world situation or something like that. But I think that would be really cool. I'm all aboard with it. And I definitely agree with you too with the reverse House of M. That's definitely the, the theory I've been buying in on. Mm-hmm. I do think that we're going to get some more confirmation that it wasn't the stone that gave them their powers it wasn't that it was just unlocking dormant powers within them so i think that's going to go right along the path with the house of m stuff we've already got the teases of her going no and literally tossing people out of her house and out of her bubble world just to preserve what she wants so i I can totally see that happening. So I'm I'm all aboard. I mean, you have the hexagon. Maybe it's the tentacles of like the Hydra. They're connecting to the different corners. Maybe eventually they'll show that. That would be kind of a cool overlay. The hexagon with the Hydra with some of those tentacles that sometimes are associated with it. And then it all starts to sink in, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, we got another email here from Stephen Farshid. Stephen Farshid of the uh, Smorgasbord podcast. Uh, it goes on to say, I'm sure you're flooded with these, but I thought I would add my two cents. Wonder Man's brainwaves were stored in a computer after his death and were used to create the first vision. I believe that is the part Wonder Man will be playing in the show, using him again to bring vision back in a real form. And possibly the vision we see is the stored brainwaves that are backed up in a computer simulation that Mephisto got his hands on and is using to subdue Wanda. But, even, but eventually when Wanda breaks free from this, they will use those waves again to actually bring Vision fully back. I'm also convinced the vase is Wizard, her adopted father, who has powers similar to Quicksilver. So, yeah. Um, this actually, that's a great email. I love those theories. It actually ties into more Roger Wardell rumors. Are you guys familiar? Have you guys heard me talk about Roger Wardell? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Roger Wardell started off as at Roger Wardell on Twitter. Basically knocked out a bunch of fucking Avengers Endgame, um, uh, leaks and leaked a bunch of stuff about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like this guy somehow 
knows somebody within Marvel and is getting a ton of these leaks. And that that uh, Twitter handle turned into Wardell at Wardell Roger, which is the one that I've been getting the new leaks from. Well, this week it changed again. <laughs> it's at red underscore Norval, N-O-R-V-E-L-L. So Roger Wardell is gone, and we've got at red underscore Norval, and he dropped a couple of new tweets about WandaVision, and one of them is promising actor is bewitched by Wanda who convinces him to sign the multi-picture deal. Simon Williams gets to play a role of the, of a lifetime, which will not only cost him his, uh, him, his memories, but also his self-identity. Okay. So let's break this down because it's very cryptic. Um, Simon Williams, we just got that email from Stephen Farshad basically talking about how he thinks, you know, Wonder Man, who is Simon Williams in the comics, you know, his brainwaves were stored in a computer after his death and were used to create the first vision. Um, I believe that, and that Stephen goes on to say, I believe that the, that is the part Wonder Man will be playing in the show, using him again to bring vision back in a real form. So Simon Williams is playing, I think Simon Williams is playing Vision in this show. And we don't know who's actually playing Wonder Man. So we don't know who the actual actor is. And we know that um, Paul Bettany has said, in WandaVision, there's a secret actor that's going to show up. I'll get to that here in a second. There's like, there's an actor that they, that, that nobody knows is showing up in this show. But, um, they leave, we see that they, we've, they've left these Grim Reaper clues in the show. We saw the Grim Reaper helmet in the floor, um, and the skull and crossbones in the hat. I mean, we've seen some of these Easter eggs in the show. And I, I think Simon Williams is playing Vision in the sitcom. And in the comics, Vision's brain is modeled after Simon's. And I think that this is basically that in reverse. They've kind of like retconned it. And Simon Williams, if he does stick around in this show, I think is going to gain his powers probably in, uh, in the same way Monica Rambeau is probably going to have to gain her powers before this season ends. I think we're going to, I don't think she's, she becomes Captain Marvel. I, I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't see them ending this whole thing with, maybe she just ends it with being a member of sword at the end of the day, but it's a good, it's a good opportunity to give her her powers too, before this season ends. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, she gained her powers in the comics. She was exposed to interdimensional energy. How do we not know that her just getting kicked out the way she just did or the way she came in and out, that exposure hasn't already right. activated something that started a process. So, yeah, I, I think that's very likely. So do you think Simon Williams is get? Do you think Simon Williams will be a bigger part of the show, a bigger part of the MCU or – and gain powers or do you think this this is like a one and done because like i i'm not sure if they're going to go forward if like we get the reveal and i think i think 
I think that we're going to get the reveal that actor Nathan Fillion is playing Wonder Man because he was rumored yeah. to be playing Wonder Man, Wonder Man, I think, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 at one time. He was going to show up in that. And I could be wrong about that rumor. But I don't know. Nathan Fillion could show up. You know, or some actor could show up. We definitely, I think definitely an actor could be show, showing up to, to play Simon Williams, uh, aka Wonder Man. And I don't know going forward if the character is going to be a big part going forward. If it's Nathan Fillion, I would guess probably not. That just seems like mm-hmm. yeah. nobody really gives him anything <clears throat> of substance when it comes, you know what I mean? It's, it's like he's always like a cameo, even like in the Suicide Squad. I don't think he's going to be a big character in that at all. Yeah. It's like a novelty. It, it's interesting. I mean, it's possible. I mean, the the kind of theme of Phase Four, like Foggy said, is new beginnings. So I could, I guess, if they want to have a even new vision, they could have Wonder Man be a surrogate. The thing I kind of find interesting, and I'm wondering, is you know, I think Paul Bettany's put on such a charming performance too. I think people are going to start getting attached to him. So he's either going to be a really tragic character and a really memorable character who didn't get as long of a run as many would have liked, or maybe they will find a way it's a Mephisto related or technology related, some kind of way that the Paul Bettany vision gets to continue on. I'm really curious. I really, you know, even outside of the leaks and the things we do see, we really don't know yet, which is really cool to see. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, let's see here. Here's another. Here's another rumor. I want to get back to. I want to talk about the episode. Actually, yeah. Let's jump into the episode, and I'll get back to some of these Roger Wardell rumors. I also have a theory that could, or not, like, a, I guess it's more of a question. Sure. For, for you guys with more knowledge and stuff, but okay. I feel like this is a question that's been probably asked quite a bit, but like, is there any guess on when this is actually taking place? Is this taking place after Endgame, or is this like during the five years after she got dusted? Uh, there was actually something, and I couldn't quote the article. I can look it up while we're talking, but something, someone from WandaVision basically confirmed that it takes place like immediately after Avengers Endgame. At least that's what I've read today. So, I mean, if it's immediately after Endgame, that could have implications. And there's a lot of people on Twitter have been citing some of the questions that some of the AMAs that the Russo brothers did. And one of the questions that they kind of ducked was, where is Vision's body? Yeah, and they, yeah. That's a, an interesting story. I think, Brian, you might even have retweeted I, that out or put something out like that. I did, so, yeah. They said that's, so, a, that's another story for another time. You know what I mean? So, and I think that's we're getting that story now. Yeah, because, like, because, like, my mind went kind of two places. Like, first off, I'm thinking, like, this whole thing is kind of done by Doctor Strange to help her get through, like, all of this shit she's going through emotionally. But now with, like, you know, the helicopter crashing and the sword stuff and Monica, especially at the end of episode three, definitely seems like a little more sinister things are afoot. But, like... I don't know, and I could be way off base, but, like, wouldn't it be crazy or maybe plausible if, like, it's actually not Wanda this is happening to? Like, this is Vision it's happening to? Because he still kind of is, like, a fucking, like, broad-width program, kind of. Like, they could be tapping into his source code or whatever. 
if that makes any sense. No, I get it. I just, I, I think that this is something to do with Wanda. I really, I think it, I think it's definitely, I think it's Wanda that we're, that mm. we're dealing with here. Okay, cool. I just wanted to throw that by and. Yeah, I mean, I think we're dealing with Wanda and I think there is going to be a, you know, we had the pregnancy. I think there are going to be children that she gets attached to. And I mean, when she finds out that maybe the kids are taken away by Mephisto or, you know, cause that's, that's what happens. I mean, the, she loses her kids and like that for years, it's like a, it's a, it's a thing that she has to deal with the loss of her children. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I do think though, like in this, with the way that the MC has been going, they've been wanting to kind of set up a, it feels like they've been wanting to set up a young Avengers movie. Um, especially with casting a new Ms. Marvel and, and, um, you know, we've already got like, yeah, Shuri very young and, and a lot of young, you know, I mean, they, we might get a Nova movie for, for all we know. I mean, I just think that, and then later on down the road, these kids could come back in new bodies and be Wiccan and speed, just like in the comics. I, I, I mean, I don't know, but I'm just, I'm, I do think it is Wanda. I think that this is, this is, this is her story. This is her big, her, you know, we haven't gotten a, a Scarlet Witch movie. We got, we got her in Age of Ultron. We got her showing up in all these big Avengers movies, but we haven't really spent time with the character. We haven't spent time with, with Vision. Like, you know, we, we've just spent moments with them. And this is the most extended period of time we've ever had with these characters. And I, I definitely think it's her story. I, I agree, Brian. I think the title was a little misleading to a lot of people, WandaVision, but I think it's really just referring to her, her first and last name. She, they refer to her as WandaVision, you know, Mrs. Vision. So I agree. This is her story. And a lot of it, the way we're kind of getting to see is really almost what her ideal life would be. We got to remember that she came from a war torn Sokovia. She had a horrible life and this is in a, in her perfect world, what she would have had and what she would want to be. And that's what, Unfortunately for me, I think I'm leading more towards the tragic end that, you know, vision isn't vision, that vision is gone, that if vision is there at all, someone else has his body. Like you said, it could be AIM, Hydra. We are getting the Hydra commercials and yeah. those definitely have some deeper significance more than just a kind of funny one-off reference for every episode. I mean, a lot of people are talking about it could be even like a F- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. framework style, uh, Tahiti style thing that she could be involved in if she's under some kind of control or there is some sinister things involved. So I do think this is her, her ideal idyllic origin story. We've already seen her real beginning, at least of her origin story in age of Ultron, but we're seeing what she would want her origin story, at least her epilogue to be, if she had her choice. Yeah. So basically aim or whoever Hydra has has his body in their possession and they're, they're pulling his, they're able to access his personality. And I mean, vision's dead, but they're able to, you know, he's a computer. So they're able to access that. And then I guess upload it to, to, uh, sorry, my cat. Come here, buddy. Come here. (laughs) God damn it. All right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I love you. I, here, you want to fuck with that bowl? Fuck with it down there. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, you don't like me fucking vaping, but my cat. Yeah, bitch about me. Bitch about my fucking cat. How about you, bitch about my fucking cat being a cat? You don't like my fucking vaping. Piss and moan about. 
Anyway, um, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, God, now I lost my fucking train of thought. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, yeah, did, did, is, is, is Mephisto behind this? Did Mephisto, is he the one who set it up? Like in the Roger Wardell, the Red Norvell, uh, the, the rumor that, that, uh, Simon, Simon Williams wanted to get like the sold his soul here to Mephisto to get the, you know, the multi-picture deal. And this is how he's got to do it by playing the role of vision. Or is it just some kind of something that uh, AIM has uh, come up with? I, it's probably a confluence of, you know, the kind of the situation. The Infinity Stones are gone. I'm sure that had to be some reason why we weren't seeing a ton of Mephisto, at least in the beginning in the in that Infinity Saga. I think, you know, with AIM slash Hydra, if that's true, that they have something going on on our side that's connected, there could be... There could be a lot of things that are a confluence, but I think the big thing now is that these Infinity Stones are no longer there. And without those being there, there's a lot of things and a lot of forces and a lot of multi-dimensional forces that are kind of starting to become out of whack. So I I think you, know, you said maybe – I like the theory maybe that Doctor Strange was trying to help her. Maybe it's the fact that she's vulnerable in a state and he now can jump in and take advantage of that. Or he was the one that induced it. There's a, there's just a lot of things. But I, like I said, I think it goes back to those stones being gone. And I think that freed a lot of things and set a lot of things in motion. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I hate, I'd hate to think that I keep seeing little bits of Doctor Strange in this with the butterflies. And it just keeps taking me back to like, you know, Infinity War when he battled Thanos. Mm-hmm. But like, as far as Doctor Strange doing the, uh, being the one, are you saying Doctor Strange might be the one that's kind of like setting all this up being behind this? I was just kind of commenting on that theory that was presented that maybe he – if you want to go down that theory that maybe he was doing something maybe to help her or at least manage it. Like she induced this on herself. He's trying to help or that she induced herself and now that's kind of presented the opportunity to Mephisto. I personally think that something that led to either her being captured, she was looking for Vision's body and maybe she was trapped – now she's kind of vulnerable to Mephisto, these other things. When she wants his idyllic life, maybe that's where the children opportunity came up. I think Doctor Strange is going to show up at the end to kind of be the problem solver, to you know, kind of be yeah, that yeah, yeah. machine, that, that, that plot device to lead us into this and break it. And he's going to be the one that exposes these people for who they are, for everything that's going on. I don't want to make it akin to like Luke Skywalker showing up at the end of uh, – of Mandalorian, but I think he's going to come in there and somebody who's at that Omega power, uh, you know, right now in the MCU and are kind of, you know, up there, obviously with Wanda as well. I think he's going to clear a lot of things up. That's my personal theory, at least. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I get what you're saying. I just, it feels like we've been following all these clues and mysteries and stuff like that, just for it to kind of like end with Dr. Strange showing up and being like, all right, this is what's really going on. And it's like, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It could be. Um, I just don't see him being the one that's behind any of this. I also don't want it to be this reveal where we find out that Wanda herself made a deal with Mephisto unknowingly. And that's that just is too much like the whole, you know, Wonder Woman 1984 bring Steve Trevor back. And I don't want that. Where Mephi- basically she set up this whole world and it's kind of like, uh, you know, 
to bring to bring vision back. I don't know. I think I'm yeah. in the, I think we're in the weeds with this one already. I really do. <laughs> I think we're going into I, I I do. I think we're in the weeds right now with this. Um so let's pull back. Let's pull back and let's actually just get into the episode itself. Um I yeah, I really enjoyed this one. It's uh, based in the 70s and I thought it was super fun. Uh, but also with kind of like very dark moments here where characters are acting really weird. I can point out like Herb cutting through the bear, like that, uh, divider, that, uh, stone divider. I was just like, what, like, what is going on here? And then like the weird in- interaction between him and, uh, Agnes, the Catherine Hans character, um, there's a ton of weird things going on in this episode. And like sometimes when things would get really dark and really odd, the laugh track seemed to amplify. And it was almost to kind of like keep Wanda from knowing how fucked up this really is. Thank you. I had the same feeling about the laugh track that it was being used to create like even more tension. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very like Truman Show esque. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, the the childbirth. We got the childbirth. Tommy and Billy, just like in the comics. Tommy and Billy. And then, did you notice that on one of the kids? And I showed you guys the picture, and it looked like the. It, it looked like visions where the where the mindstone is, the triangle that goes down in between his brow is there it looks like there's kind of like is it a birthmark there on that one child? A birthmark or like an indent? Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to say I, I leaned more towards indent like indent. stone missing stone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's very subtle. It's very subtle, but it's definitely it's definitely there. Um, I don't know. What were some of your favorite moments of this episode? And was there stuff that you didn't like, Paul? I mean, I loved, I think the standout part for me was um, her kind of start, like when I say her, I mean Wanda kind of starting to break and just like the whole, the whole end scene of like Vision talking to Herb and uh, Catherine Hines' character and realizing that who we know is Monica is someone who she's like like she's someone that really isn't who she's who she is in this Westview world and then that culminating with her talking about um the Age of Ultron events with Pietro. Yeah. 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 I thought it was just fucking I thought that whole I, and um you know Elizabeth Olsen is just she is just putting on a tour de force in this like her her acting is just going beyond you know, she can be so into the whole sitcom feel, and then when she needs to get Stone Cold serious, she's able to turn it on in just like a snap. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that was that was awesome. And then you know, Monica being tossed out of Westview and seeing like the modern day stuff, you're like oh shit, this is exactly like, what I predicted last week. We talked about this last week on the episode. It's not that I predicted it. We kind of saw like a scene of Monica Rambeau like opening your eyes, you know, on the side of the road in the grass. And I said on the episode, I was like, I think that the exact same thing that 
that she did to uh, that 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 Wanda did to the beekeeper, she's going to do it to Monica Rambeau in a future episode. And it 100% happened that way. And we know that she's working for sword and we saw, I mean, we know she's, she had the necklace that has the sword logo on it. And then at the end of the episode, when she's out there in the, in the grass outside of Westview, we see like the whole barrier out there and we see, you know, like helicopters and all this other stuff kind of like surround her. And then a truck, I had one of our listeners and it was funny enough, one of our listeners on Discord with the, with the name Big Rad, um, showed, showed that picture and zoomed and like, like, I guess I don't, I zoomed in on it and you can see the sword logo on the truck. So the people at the end of the episode, it's not AIM, it's not anybody from Hydra, it's sword basically wanting to debrief her about like her time, I'm sure, going into Westview, infiltrating into Westview. And so, I mean, I think I've heard that um, Jimmy Woo is going to be in the next episode. So I'm looking forward to that, Jimmy Woo, in the next episode. But, yeah, I was right about that. It's funny. It's funny. When I'm right about something, I never hear it from anybody. I always hear it from our listeners when I'm wrong about shit. <laughs> Every fucking time. Nobody backs me up when I'm fucking right about shit. Uh, oh, very, very rarely. Everybody wants to get me when I'm fucking wrong. I remember, oh, oh yeah, it was fucking, uh, I said in an, uh, I said in an episode that, uh, Leia could be a force ghost. It's not that I wanted her to be a force ghost. I said it could be possible we could find out Leia's a force ghost. It happens in the fucking movie. And nobody, <laughs> nobody, not, not one fucking person said, oh, you were right, Brian. You were fucking right, Brian. Not one fucking person. <laughs> no, but they remember when you say you're going to grill your penis of Spider-Man. Oh, dies. yeah. They remember That's that fucking remember. shit. They remember that fucking shit. And then they remember when I said, like, oh, the Zack Snyder cut doesn't exist and we'll never get it and blah, 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 blah. They'll point that shit out to me. But when I'm right, I never fucking hear it. Only the haters. Only the fucking haters. Hey, Brian, you yeah. were right on this. Good job. Mm. I'm proud of you, buddy. Yeah, now I hear it from you, Paul. Too little, too late, buddy. <laughs> I um, I, I loved it as well. I think we kind of covered a lot of the best things. I love the stuff with the neighbors. I, I liked how Catherine Hahn tried to walk it off at the end and leave, said the funny thing, and does the little leg kick and laugh it off and walk away. But yeah. if we don't get that 70s show, Deborah Joe Rupp reference at some point before they leave that error. I think they're doing it the service. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you have her call someone a dumbass? And one thing I did notice at the end of episode three, when Catherine Hahn makes that joke, there is no laugh track. Nope. Like the laugh track completely stops after she gives birth. Oh, wow. Which I thought was, I'll cool. have to watch that. Yeah. I'll have to watch the episode again. There's so many like things that I missed. One of our listeners on discord, um, the handle lemon five ninety was like talking about this episode and, and actually the previous episode as well. And went on to say to this point, I had a wizard of Oz reference with all the smoke and mirrors. Remember in the last episode we had the, the mirrors and the one girl goes, I I don't think that's the way mirrors work. And then in this episode we had like, you know, the smoke and stuff like that and goes on to say, who is the man slash woman behind the curtain and he's talking about the barrier that force field that's on westview we're trying to figure out like who is behind all this i like he's talking about wizard of oz references even in this episode i want i noticed that herb himself is cutting into 
a yellow brick fence. Ooh. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I like that. I like that. It's yeah. Cool imagery. Like it started with Lemon saying the Wizard of Oz stuff, which I hadn't noticed until he said it. And now now that I'm watching the episodes, it's like I'm looking for these Wizard of Oz you know, like Easter eggs. And I think it's, it's all, it, some of it's there. It's actually there. Um, Hydra soak, the commercial that we got in this one, it was a nod to the Calgon take me away commercials back in the day. And if you look at the Hydra soak box, it's blue, it's a square and it looks like the Tesseract. Mm-hmm. And if you say Calgon take me away and you think about what the Tesseract was, it was the space stone and the space stone can take you anywhere in time and space. <laughs> Damn. I was just, I, you know, like I just so had to, cool. I had to put all these things together and I was kind of blown away. Like how many episodes is WandaVision? Is it going nine? Nine. I believe it's nine. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, I was like, I want if it's six, maybe it's like each one of these commercials is going to like deal with a with a stone or something like that, and I was going to try to figure that out, but I I don't think that that is the case. But I'm I'm having a blast with the with this show and the mystery and the fun, and and I still think I think it's crazy, but I still think that this this show could introduce fucking the birth of mutants, not only the birth of these two babies, but also the fucking birth of. Of the mutants and bringing the mutant gene back into the back into the into this universe. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, um, I did read an article today that the creator of the show did say these commercials are not just filler; like they are leading up to something huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Well, we talked about the first two. How the, the the fingers? I'd have to watch the third one again to see if that's if that's a theme in the third one with the fingers. The two fingers the satanic salutes you know which could be pointing towards mephisto i don't know man i don't know i'm really digging this show i don't know honestly i think i'm after three episodes of this i'm people are gonna think i'm crazy but it's like right up there with legion for me Mm. it's like right with that first season of legion because legion kind of fell apart i think i think in the second season Mm -hmm. but um all right. Yeah, so there's your there's your WandaVision. I don't know. Did you guys have any final WandaVision thoughts? No, I like I I just think it's a fun ride. I think it's so like I mean Disney Disney Plus really pulled no punches. I think this is such a great idea for their first show that they're kind of just really setting up this fun mystery and all these easter eggs for all the you know, for all the hardcore fans, but then the people that don't know a lot about Wanda and Vision like me, it's still a fun, it's still a really cool, intriguing story. And I think Disney just really is hitting the mark right now, at least with these first three episodes for their like inaugural Marvel show. Yeah. Yeah. Which wasn't supposed to be their inaugural Marvel show. It's actually supposed to be, I think, the second coming out. Mm-hmm. What was supposed to be the first one? The, the Falcon. Falcon. The yeah. Soldier? yeah. It was supposed to come out first. Yeah. Uh, Paul, where can people find you? Uh, movies from the heart. Catch me on movies from the heart. We do got a uh, damn a backcast that's kind of on a on a leave of absence right now. But you catch me on movies from the heart. All right, Billy, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find us on Twitter uh, at Scene Invaders on all podcast platforms. It's also called Scene Invaders. We're also on YouTube, same name, Scene Invaders. We do a bunch of different stuff, episode reviews. We have a reality TV show now where we're reviewing The Bachelor and other kind of reality TV shows just based from a guy's perspective. And uh, like I said, weekly episodes of the normal podcast on any podcast platform, Scene Invaders. There you go. There you go, everybody. Check it out. All right. Next week, we'll be back. Um, I can't talk. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Next week, we'll be back. Hopefully, Jake will be back next week, and uh, we'll have a have another uh, fun-filled fucking show for you. And just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Clean and race it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. They've already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap! Good and toss it, good and taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover, counterculture pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover, counterculture pushover, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.